Are you sure? How do you know? Really? Oh, that's pretty cool. Anywho, welcome to New Southern Heretics. Um, I wanted to start off this episode uh, at first by dedicating it to uh, my uncle Jeffrey Scott Bailey, who uh, passed away uh, from a heart attack uh, unexpectedly on uh, Sunday, uh, early Sunday morning on October 11th, um, 64 years old. Uh, he was a very good man uh, to, uh, to me and my brother growing up. I said a good uh, male role model. Other than my father, he's the most influential male role model I've ever had. And he's deeply, deeply missed by all of us here. Um, I also wanted to, while well, being appreciative, I also wanted to give a shout out to uh, our listeners in our, our top cities uh, that we have on the show. And tell you guys how, uh, how thankful that we are. Uh, Bonkers is cheering in the back. You may hear him. But... Uh, uh, our top cities as far as downloads on episodes, I'm not sure about stream data, but uh, Valdosta, Georgia, Belleville, Illinois, Fairview Heights, Illinois, San Jose, California, Atlanta, Georgia, Lake Stevens, Washington, Columbus, Ohio, Forsyth, Georgia, Clayton, Missouri, Washington, Virginia, Columbus, Georgia, Birmingham, Alabama, Hickson, Tennessee, Islington, England, Clichy, France, Pensacola, Florida, Phoenix City, Alabama, Winter Park, Florida. Thank you guys so much for uh, continuously uh, tuning in and uh, supporting the show. Uh, please uh, you know, share uh, this podcast and any, uh, any others with uh, your social network, all your friends. Jake, what's up, dude? Welcome back. Thank man. you. Thank you. I've gotten so much worse at podcasting <laughs> since you initially worse. took a chance. <laughs> it could. It's all downhill from here. That's it's, how it goes. It, yeah, it's more than just a, an expression, actually. Yeah. Like it's like you just keep tumbling, it gets worse and worse. So we uh, our our Halloween episode side two. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me light this candle. Uh, decided to do a film review of uh-huh. uh, eight movies. Okay. Right. Yep. And uh, we each uh, each swapped uh, four and four. So I think uh, I think what would be a swell idea is be that uh, for each one of these eight movies we should uh, yeah poorly describe it <laughs> as accurately as possible. <laughs> so for uh, those just tuning in the. Uh, I can read off the whole list here that I'm not trying to pull it off of, out of thin air. So the, mov- the movies we shall be reviewing today uh, will be eight uh, phenomenal works of fiction. Maybe the, I think a couple of them are documentaries. I could be wrong, <laughs> but we've got so. we've <laughs> we've got John Carpenter's The Thing, Tucker and Dale versus Evil, uh, The Shining, A Quiet Place. Um, the Exorcist, Hereditary, Cabin in the Woods, and Wes Craven's New Nightmare. Mm-hmm. Which, uh, with with you being the guest, all which which of these uh, films uh, speaks to your heart, dude? I most? well, I rewatched Tucker and Dale this morning, 
So we should we, we should go for that one. Well, first. the best way I can bonkers. <laughs> He he's his podcast guest didn't show up today, <laughs> so he's he's kind of bitter. I understand, but you're not going to sacrifice the show, sir. <laughs> he's upset because he was doing a Halloween show as well. Tucker and Dale versus Evil is a a, a, a great story about <clears throat> an asexual uh, same sex uh, couple that goes out to the woods. And begins getting harassed by local uh, extremists. I'm sure they're either uh, MAGA or Antifa <laughs> people. One or the other. But um, they find a way to sort of transcend their asexual, polyamorous, mm-hmm. man-man relationship and find love in the process yeah, of that's the war. It. It's two guys who are in the wrong place at the wrong time. Right. Constantly. <laughs> I, the genius of it, I find, though, is that it takes this simple premise of like the backwoods folk mm-hmm. like terrorizing like the young kids having fun and it's literally these are just two dudes that just want to get away from the weekend yeah. and with a group of uh, uh, college kids that have seen way too many horror films right. and then believe that everything that is happening is in a horror film so they decide to, that their friend has been kidnapped yeah. and they have to go and kill the hillbillies. I like how they... My favorite thing that that movie does is, like in the first half of the movie, anytime you see the hillbillies, mm-hmm. you, you see it from the kid's point of view, where it's like creepy and it's like, you know, he's like he's staring at me. Yeah, and they're staring. <laughs> but then when it cuts to them, they're just like, he's like, hey man, don't look at her like that. She's going to be weirded out. You know? He's like, just go talk to her. There's, there's one, I think it's a... Uh... Uh, Alan uh, Tudyk, after uh-huh. he's been uh, stung by all those bees, yeah, and he, his face is swollen. Good makeup effect on the on the face, by the uh-huh. way. Really phenomenal makeup effect. But he walks out and trying to get the college kids to like, hey, come get your friend. But his face is like swollen. He's all mumble, just shouting, "College kids, yeah. we got your friend." <laughs> it's full of that kind of stuff. Like even when they. Uh... They're like, we got to leave them a message, but they didn't have any paper, so they just carved it into some wood, (laughs) and it just says, we have your friend. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I think the the scene that still gets me is the wood chipper, Mm -hmm. because he's going, this college kid's got like, I think he's got like a knife or something to stab, maybe it's like a a hoe or something, But, but he leaps out and the shot of the camera is awesome because it follows him running like side scroller down the hill and then he jumps out to tackle and kill Alan Tudyk and instead he jumps right right into into the wood chip yeah just right into I think there's even a line where he's like they say something like these kids keep throwing themselves into the wood chippers (laughs) the whole movie is just like it's part of the reason I put Cabin in the Woods on the list because I feel like they're both the same kind of movie that plays around with a lot of like uh tropes and you know it's Mm -hmm. just taking what you think is going to happen and kind of making it silly and with with, in a way like it pays homage to a lot of horror cliches yeah and addresses that like yeah this is a formula and this is what we chose to do with the formula so it's got almost that we call it a meta Mm -hmm. quality yeah for sure yeah where it's not quite breaking the fourth wall, like say something like New Nightmare, like right, does right, or right, right. It's like uh, it's just like this is all the stuff that we know 
you are expecting to happen, and it's happening, but not for the reasons that it would normally be happening. Right. It's all. It's just all a misunderstanding. Yeah. The whole movie is the just enti- a misunderstanding. The entire because mo- it starts off with them like at a gas station, like happens another like horror yeah. film, like in Cabin in the Woods. You know, they run into mm-hmm. folks at the uh, the gas station yep. outside of town in rural America. Yeah. <laughs> the guy. Um, uh, hang on, I can look it up normally I don't have my phone out for podcasts, but for this one, I was like, bro, I can't remember all some this of the shit. Yeah, some of the stuff you can't. I can't remember them all either. Um, not talking about like the main dude? Uh, yeah. Um, Tyler Labine. Mm-hmm. That man may have the best southern accent of yeah. any actor I've <laughs> ever encountered. Like, he's a Canadian dude. Uh-huh. But, like, he fucking nails it. Yeah. Like, that normally, you know, in Hollywood, they'll always oversell the hillbilly. Mm-hmm. And even, like, Alan Tudyk's accent is, like, very, like, reserved. Yeah. It's not, like, over the top. But that man's a phenomenal actor. Yeah, I don't think the movie would work with other... Like, those two guys are both really funny. Mm-hmm. And there's also moments where they both, like, you know, whenever you're seeing it from the kids' perspective and they are supposed to be, like, cre- like they, they do a good job at both sides of that. So. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think that kind of movie works without some good actors in those roles. Well, they, they, they're so believable, you know what I mean? And, like, even, like, the college kids where they're all, like, none of them are, like, making sense because, Mm -hmm. I mean, mean, fuck, I remember what it was like to be 22 years old. Like, I was fucking stupid. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, like, every, every, like, even, like, the, like, nuance of whenever, uh, uh, Dale is playing a, a board game with mm-hmm. uh, with the girl that they mm-hmm. saved yeah. that they thought that they had kidnapped, and just like some of the facial expressions that he'll make, mm-hmm. like in regards to like like showing like uh, uh, like a bumbling, yeah, right, right. like a redneck or whatnot, it was really really creative spin. <clears throat> yeah, I thought so too. I, wa- I the whole reason I rewatched it this morning is just because I felt like that was the one. That I hadn't seen in a little bit, you know. Mm-hmm. It's been a, it's been the longest since I think I've had that one in my brain. So, I've seen it a couple times. You know, it's one of those movies that you can like you just put it on. It's funny. Yeah, you know? it's, it's got funny. good replay value and a yeah. lot of comedies, horror comedies aside, but they don't they don't really offer that. You know, it's normally it's like a, a you get it the first time and it's yeah. like uh, it's kind of like a if a horror film only uses jump scares. <sighs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's still enjoyable. Like um, uh, the descent. Mm-hmm. Like, I think it, the descent is a really well shot. It gives you that sense of claustrophobia whenever mm-hmm. all the spelunkers, I guess that's what it is. Yeah, spelunkers. Cave dwellers. I couldn't do that, man. But, um, like, it, it, it puts you there. But, like, all of the scares of, like, the monsters that are down in there, they're, you know, every time something scary is about to happen because it's always just like, okay, drop all the sound. Yeah. And then it's like, all right, <laughs> I just count to five, see where it lands. It's like it's like seeing lightning, and then like you know, you yeah. count for the thunder. You to could show. tell, yeah, that you know, I I had kind of like even I was like, oh, I'm gonna mention the jump scare thing at some point during this conversation. I didn't figure it would it would be right away, but like that's the thing with like a lot of the movies that we have on this list are kind of either made in a time 
where a lot of directors, writers, and and people, just filmmakers in general, just didn't care what other people were thinking. Right. Or I mean, some of them are newer films, but they're made by the same kind of people. You know, like if if you if you look at any of the like wide release horror movies, and not, and it's not even just horror movies; it's just movies in general. Mm-hmm. Any a lot of the big the movies that have like really big companies behind them are just like. You know they're made with an algorithm, uh, totally, and, um, and horror movies especially, and like absolutely those movies like The Conjuring and uh, Paranormal Activity and Insidious mm-hmm. and all the those are all the same movie made by the same handful of people that have nothing but they're nothing but jump scares and yeah. jump scares are fine if there's a few in a movie and the, and, and they're just there for fun but jump scares are just. That is the body's natural reaction to something jumping out at you. It's yeah. not actually scary. Yeah, it's not fear. I mean, like, if a piano falls from the sky and lands next to me, or, like, a bug <laughs> that I wasn't expecting lands on me, right. I'm going to probably scream like a exactly. bitch either yeah. which way. That's just me, you yeah. know. But, no, I, I agree with you. If, if you have to have some sort, for me anyways, for me to be like, that's a spooky film. Mm-hmm. You have to have some sort of nightmarish quality that stays with you afterwards. I think that's why things like slasher films uh, resonate with so many people because it's it's not supernatural for a lot of them. You know, it's yeah. like this a real fear. Somebody could stab me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and he could be wearing some sort of mask of some right. sort. You know, and maybe he is making a <laughs> noise as he chases me down. That that's that's real, but that that doesn't stick with me. You know what I mean? Like, but stuff like that has more value than say like a jump scare does. Yeah. Like if that's all a movie has. So something like uh, Insidious, of Conjuring, uh, uh, who's that? James Wan, his sort of yeah. movie universe. Yeah, the, it's all the same dude. Yeah, in Insidious, I liked Insidious, but all the other movies I've seen from it, it's like, dude, I I remember when. Um, Paranormal Activity came out and people freaked out about it. And Is that like, James Wan as well? I, he didn't do that, but it's in the same sort of. I feel like it's very similar. The, it, it's definitely a style. It, it is like a, a, a limp biscuit to uh, to a, exactly. a corn. Exactly, yeah. they're all the new metal of like. Uh, I just remember hating that movie in the theater and like just being like, "This is what is? What are you guys scared? What is? Who's scared of this? What are you talking? Like, there's Velociraptor footprints in the flower at some point. I'm like, how is that not funny to everybody? But Insidious and The Conjuring, like when those movies came out, those movies came out like I think only Conjuring. I got why people liked it. Dude, but those, those movies, I hate both of them. They came out like a year apart from each other. It's the mm-hmm. same director. It's the same main main actor. It's the same composer. It's the same editor. It's the same person playing the ghost in both movies. There is a yeah. shot in both of those movies of Patrick Wilson looking into the camera, not knowing that the ghost is behind him. Mm-hmm. They're they're identical. Yeah, it's they're like there's barely any difference to those, and like that's just lazy, man. The thing, um, what was the other movie? Sinister? I think the Ethan Hawke. Yeah, I saw that. Um, I. Di- it had like two scares in it, like of course, like right in the early beginning, where it's like, "Ooh, this could be good," and then yeah. you know, it's just flaccid dick for the for the rest of it. But um, I, I did, I like all of Slipknot stuff, but I noticed the ghost in Sinister, Jim Root of Slipknot, yeah, wearing the mask, like that's what it looked like. Right, it's it like, is. What the fuck is the guy from Slipknot, dude? Doing? Well, the the fucking creature in Insidious looks like Darth Maul. Yeah, it's black and red. Yeah. I'm like. <laughs> I'm like, come, I, I don't think make that, it so similar. 
I think that the the red face stuff. I think that is some. I, I could totally be wrong here. I think it's an archetype that goes back to some uh, daemon or yeah, something in mythology. I think, it, I think it is, but it's like in a world where Star Wars is the most popular thing in the world. Maybe <laughs> yeah. don't make the thing that's supposed to be scary look like Darth Maul. You know what I mean? You, Change it up a little bit. You know which um, which uh, uh, cliche horror cliche just absolutely just sort of like. Really, fellas, is that what you think? That's what we're doing. It's the pale, dark-haired girl mm-hmm. wearing all white, yeah. chasing people. Like everything from. Well, that's the what rain. they make fun of in Cabin in the Woods. It's a fucking little girl half yeah. the time. <laughs> the uh, uh, I really like the 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 Evil Dead uh, 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 trilogy mm-hmm. franchise. Yeah. Um, I'm not all the way. I don't think they're still doing the show. Maybe. It got canceled. It's three. I think it's three seasons. Yeah, I think I've seen the first two. I mean, Same. I haven't finished that either. Yeah, no. It's enjoyable, but I mean, it's it's not like I'm like, oh my god. Yeah. yeah. It's not right. like the movies are, but that's mm-hmm. fine. But the, um, the, the remake that they did, okay, now to its credit, the cinematography and the makeup in the uh, Evil Dead, I think they just called it Evil it Dead. It was just Evil Dead, yeah. Um, fantastic. Like, absolutely fantastic. But whenever they showed, like, again, like this 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 ghost girl or whatever with the dark hair and all the white, and it shows that's what's chasing them through the woods. The thing that made Evil Dead so cool about whenever Sam uh, Raimi's shot of, like, POV of something just chasing yeah. something is you never you see never what's chasing. It. Yeah. So, like... That like it's the woods, it's yeah. themselves, and that was know? the point of those original. You know, like that was the point in those original. It's the woods and the eat. Like I don't think there is. I, I think when you're watching those original Evil Dead movies, there isn't a creature behind them. It is what you just said. You yeah. know, it's a feeling that there is something there. Yeah, the that woods running the from woods yes. are haunted with <laughs> bad juju. Like even like. Thing I like about I know they're not on our list. Whatever. It doesn't matter. matter. Yeah, it doesn't matter. <laughs> it's just gonna, whatever. We're in charge here. Yeah. But uh, the <laughs> Evil Dead Two, Evil Dead One is literally the first twenty minutes of Evil Dead Two. Like they redo the whole movie. Yeah. A lot of people are confused about that because there was even so. I mean, there there's a clear you know Evil Dead One ends with it hitting him. Yeah. And then it cuts to credits. And then the first 20 minutes of Evil, Do- to Evil-, Evil Dead 2 are basically recapping part one. And then he gets hit with the thing. Yeah. And when he gets hit with the thing, you're like, okay, this is the cut. This is now part two. But there are a lot of people who are like, why would he go back to the cabin? And I'm like, he's not going back to the cabin. Yeah. There was a it, like there was an issue and they couldn't use – there was like a, an issue with the rights, even though it was their movie. And they couldn't use the footage to do like a recap. So they just refilmed it. With less people, because why put... It's like, we don't have time. You know what I mean? It's a recap yeah. of the first movie. It's a little different, but who cares? I think what... I don't know anything about entertainment law or anything, but um, yeah. I think what it was, because um, I think the only shots they could recap was, uh, you know the one where it's POV and it's going through the window, where he's like, yeah. like they got my girlfriend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Whatever her name, Sheila or something. But uh, they reused that one, but yeah, there's other shots where... Like they couldn't do, they couldn't reuse the same shots. I guess because former studio owned rights. Yeah, to it's a it. weird. But then when they made part three, they were able to use 
they were they were able two. to use shots from part two. Mm. You know what I mean? Like at the beginning of part three, there's a recap, and he's like, "This thing got him," and it's all scenes from part two. So yeah. like, it's it's. I don't know. It's all weird. Movie rights and all that shit. Like, mm-hmm. you make a movie for a studio, the studio, it's their movie now. Most of the time. Oh, yeah. Almost always. So, all that shit's weird. I don't I don't understand how that works, but... I, th- I think what it may have been is that... Because uh, I think Raimi... Uh, what do you call it? Uh, was involved with producing the first one as well. Mm-hmm. So, I think there may have been something with certain footage he got by himself with his camera. Maybe, yeah. Or something. Yeah. Where he was however they had it where he was a contractor for the movie he mm-hmm. was directing as well right and then it's like well you can I lease yeah. my footage for this movie and then when it came time to do the sequel he still owned the rights to that footage to release it again but again so so it's only a couple of shots for yeah. the first one yeah it's so complicated yeah yeah <laughs> but um that brings me uh, to a, a cabin in the woods mm-hmm. right which the poor synopsis of that is uh, a reality television show, <laughs> a la uh, the Truman Show, yeah. that takes place in the Evil Dead universe. Yeah, pretty much. Like it's it it, it would kind of show you like 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 well why are the woods haunted and mm-hmm. Cabin in the Woods sort of like it's it's brilliantly written and mm-hmm. it's a long slow climb. And there's parts like probably about 30 minutes in where you're like, is this going to just be like a, a cheesy, like, yeah, like just these, like, uh, the family of zombies, whatever they were called. Right. Yeah. I can't remember the, the, uh, the Buckleys or something yeah. like that. But they, they, yeah. I, when I, I saw that movie in the theater, not knowing anything about it and somebody, Same. and somebody told me like, Hey, don't, they were like, don't even watch the trailer. They were like, you just need to go see it. So I went and saw it. And like, yeah, the first Half of that movie is like intercut with like the kids going to the cabin, yeah. then the two guys at the control board, you know, yeah. and you kind of don't know. You're like, what is that? You know, you like you see that they're influencing what's happening, but mm-hmm. you know, it takes a while for you to figure out why. But those two guys are so funny. Yeah, those, like those two actors, like uh, uh, both of those guys are very. One of them, I think, his name is Bradley Whitmore. So he he's in like he was the villain in. Uh, Billy Madison. Ha- yeah, Billy Madison, <laughs> or yeah, Billy Madison. He's the villain. Uh, that guy's so funny. Um, those two dudes like work so well together, and that movie <laughs> is written just so. Everything about like the way they they pick what's gonna kill them, and people are like making bets on it, and yeah. then you find out like they're doing it because there has to be a sacrifice. Or the ancient ones will just destroy, yeah, or like the, all the of that. Titans, yeah, like I'm like all of this is great, you know. Yeah. And especially like when you get down to the point where they just let everything out, and I'm like, it's all of those effects, all those practical creatures just running around. Like there's a unicorn stabbing somebody in the chest at some point. It's just all ridiculous, and it's just that movie's so fun. Yeah, I love it. I 100 agree with you. Um, these guys Bradley Whitford Richard Whitford. Jenkins is yes this the other that's guy? it Richard that's him Jenkins, yeah yep. the guy from uh, uh, Step Brothers yeah he's the, he's yeah, the yeah, dad um, no they play off of each other so well like the what is so captivating about like like how it begins it's just like these two guys like just uh, riding around in, in some place it looks like like a set of like fallout like yeah uh, like a factory or something yeah like, or yeah. they made it to uh, was it in fallout for the the institute it's like uh-huh. this underground scientific lab mm-hmm. and 
I like that there's there's no opening credits. They just they hit you the title card. They hit you with a jump scare. Right. And there's not in many the middle jump, of a sentence. Yeah, yeah. And there's not many jump scares uh, in <laughs> the movie itself. You know the the merman joke in that movie is it's brilliant to me. Like the way he keeps mentioning. You know, whenever they're doing the bet, you know. He has Merman on there, and it's like, you're like, what? You know, and then they pick the, he's like, she had the conch in her hands. You know, and he keeps saying, he's like, man, I just wanted to see a Merman. And then at the end, he's killed by the Merman. And it's just the silliest thing. Dude, it's just so funny. Everything about it. If you you had to choose, and one of these monsters (laughs) had to take you out. Oh, my God. It's like. It's like I would, my my instinct would be whatever is going to be the quickest. But then I'm like, you know what? If I got to get killed by some crazy weird creature, I probably want it to be, I don't know, whatever the weirdest thing is. You know what I mean? Like, it's like if you got to get killed by something, why not go out in the craziest, most memorable way possible? So I don't know, man. Maybe the merman. Merman would be pretty. Epic, I want, but that also said. I think I think like eating me would be like, her- yeah, maybe, it would be maybe, awful, right? Maybe that or just the um. There's one quick shot in it. Have you ever seen a uh, Jake uh, Jacob's Ladder with Tim Robbins? I have, yeah. Really obscure, really dark. Not a pleasant watch. Not yeah. really that good of a movie, but it's it's got its like qualities to mm-hmm. it. But like, there's scenes in it where he's like being operated on, like live surgery yeah. and whatnot. And that to me is like absolutely horrific. Right. Yeah, yeah. And there's only a quick shot of it in Cabin in the that Woods. That happens in Cabin in the Woods. But yeah, it yeah. shows it shows the doctors, these sadists, yeah. like standing around just like yep, about yep. to get to work. I think that one may be the worst one Probably. of all. Yeah. I I might take the unicorn. Yeah. Either that or there was something, I forget what it was, it just like Swarm. There's like a bat creature at some point. There was there's a ghost, like a ghost think, taking souls out yeah. of people. Like there's countless things in that movie and there's also like a a lot of um you know whenever they show all the creatures in the squares at first you know there's the one guy who's basically pinhead there's it's a lot there's a lot of like throwbacks to you know to all the movies that it's like it's referencing so what's cool about that is though i i don't think they have plans to create some sort of uh, universe or mythology with it but the cabin in the woods sort of ties in all of horror mythology, like into like something that they could pay homage to everything mm-hmm. with. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. Like as far as um, like, I mean, hell, they even did it with uh, Sigourney Weaver, uh, Sigourney Weaver right. for her work in the horror uh, yeah. film uh, franchise, which she's most known for, like with Alien. So I mean, of course, I bet you there's a. Uh, what are they called xenomorphs? Mm-hmm. I bet you there's one of those. There probably uh, is, yeah. Somewhere, somewhere if you, if hidden you look or closely. something. Yeah. Um, but it's yeah. whenever the um, what's it uh, the under whatever the place is called the underground layer. Yeah. Whenever you you really start seeing that, like whenever uh, they find a way down, you know, the virgin and the fool uh, find a mm-hmm. find a, a trap door, and they find a way to go back into the cubes that's where the movie like everything that you've been seeing from like the beginning mm-hmm. as far as like like what is going on here like this kind of just seems like 
like every day, like run of the mill horror movie. Right, right. Everything like boom yeah, clicks. It all and changes then, there. And then once it like it's like a gear clicking into place, mm-hmm. then the movie just accelerates. Yeah. And fantastic. <laughs> fantastic. There's also like a couple times you think maybe the movie's about to be over and it's just like, oh no, we're gonna show you beyond like, you know, whenever they first whenever they first open up, they hit the button to let everything loose. Mm-hmm. I thought it feels like the movie's going to end there. Like, yeah. just end with them letting everything out. But then you get 15 or 20 more minutes of, like, what happens and what all, you know, seeing all those things just destroying everybody. Yeah. Well, and then, like, um, like the last 10 minutes, like, like everything, like, just with that movie gets far more fascinating. Yeah. Until you get to the very, very end, mm-hmm. but like everything with Scorny Weaver and a werewolf in the base. It's a werewolf. Yep. Like <laughs> just, just like thinking about that of just like like a werewolf being aware. Mm-hmm. Oh, a right. Werewolf. A werewolf. He took some acid in, in, uh, <laughs> in his younger wolf days, and now he's an a werewolf. Um, but. Uh, the way it just like blends in with the shadows and like make sure that like even these people that got away and escaped that oh no yeah nothing gets out alive mm-hmm. like after they choose to purge yeah. system I think is what it was yeah, called yeah purge yeah um, but just like everything with Sigourney Weaver and like her short bit of dialogue mm-hmm. like she kind of explains the the rules and mm-hmm. you know that they've just been doing that for centuries yeah and yeah. it's like we have to or these giant creatures are just going to destroy yeah. the world, which is insane. Yeah, wonder if that's true. Though I'm like, is that Cth- it's Cthulhu? Based. They're basically talking about like a Lovecraftian, like some of the word, like when they say the words like ancient ones and stuff like mm-hmm. that. It's like, oh, is that Cthulhu under there? I, I think. Well, I mean, giants, you know. So I mean, like Cthulhu uh, tentacles aside, yeah. he's still it's still a big dude. Yeah, you know? yeah. I mean, you only see his hand, you know. So like, I never, uh, I never, uh, I never read much like uh, mm-hmm. uh, fiction. As much uh, as a little boy, uh, I was I was a nerd. I read the dictionary a lot. Yeah, and, uh, I liked uh, the encyclopedias. But um, the, uh, the characters, like uh, Lovecraft, like just from like I've seen of like like South Park does a lot of Lovecraft uh, yeah. uh, homages and whatnot. Just how um, and uh, different visual artists as well. But how it's um, how did he describe it? It's like of what you're not seeing mm-hmm. is like. Yeah, like uh, the the fuck. The, I'm, I'm I'm wording it the so thing, poorly. The, the the creatures, a lot of the creatures and things that are in Lovecraft books are are a lot of these things where it's like they're too horrible to describe. Basically, yes. you know what I mean. And it's like when they do get to describing some of it, it's insane. You know what I mean? It's not what anybody would ever just draw. It's like insane to think that this guy thought of these things because they don't sound like anything you've ever you know like any other movie if you're ever watching a movie with a monster in it it's like nobody no matter what you can be like oh that kind of looks like the monster from this movie or kind of like this yeah you know what i mean you can do that about everything but if you're reading like lovecraft books and you you're reading some of the weird creatures that they come up with it's like everything came from this like this guy is what but yeah i get what you're saying like you don't see a lot because it's like it's scarier. The horror isn't in what you're seeing, you know. It's yeah. like yeah. it's kind of like a goes goes back to horror film cliches and like using the jump scares. It's like you know, sometimes whenever you don't release that tension in a scene and you just 
carry it over. Mm-hmm. Like now the audience is still on edge. You haven't released them yet. Right. That's something that like a cheap jump scare will get you. Is, yeah. Oh, I got some release from that tension. Mm-hmm. Nah, you watch a Stanley Kubrick film ever? Good <laughs> lord. Two thousand and one, a Space Odyssey is almost a horror film. Yeah. In my opinion, it could be. Yeah. Like. And for nothing than like the last uh, like ten minutes and the first ten minutes where it's just like this is kind of bumming me out. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a movie for sure. All of his movies are kind of like that. Well, the the Shining. Yeah. How would you uh, how would you uh, describe the Shining? Oh, uh, like poorly describing the Shining is just uh, a, a family goes on a life changing uh, vacation <laughs> and learn how to shine. <laughs> yeah. We gotta get out of the house, Daddy. <laughs> um, I I love The Shining, um, but I also love like I have that's a movie that's probably you know if, if you ask me what my like top five horror movies were, mm-hmm. that would probably be one or two. I think it it sits almost with no other peers, in my opinion, with haunting movies. Yeah. Maybe at least from like twentieth century film. Yeah. Maybe uh, Poltergeist, the original That's Poltergeist. Movie, yeah. I, I, I think, but it's a different kind of haunting. Poltergeist kind of explains it as far as just like, hey, there are people buried here, and yeah. then you built on top of right. this. And with The Shining, it's uh, it's not it's not Stephen King's like Stephen King like hated the movie because yeah. he didn't stick to it's nothing like the movie. Yeah, at all. But I, I I think they can both like I love the movie. I also really love the book. You know, I, uh, I've only read parts of the book. It, I mean, it's very, it's very, very different. But I mean, that's not a, that's not a bad thing. You no, know? no. I, I think The Shining is one of those movies that I think they could probably. I, I would, I would love for somebody to come out and make another movie of The Shining, but based on the book, because yeah. I think they're so different from each other that it wouldn't be like. It's not like remaking what Stanley Kubrick did. Yeah, they're they're so completely different. Yeah, from each other that it's. Well, uh, for stars, there's no, there's no uh, uh, hedge maze in the book. There were the hedge animals. Yeah, there's animals. I mean, the whole thing, in the book, it's not, he's not such a, you know, Jack is, he is, you know, he he's a man who has dealt with alcoholism, just so he, he is in the movie as well, but right. in the movie, he's kind of crazy from, from the beginning. Yeah. And once he becomes fully crazy, it is that. Until he dies, you know what I mean. But in the That's book, he's very yeah. in the book. He's very like he's a he's like an everyday dude, and you feel bad for him, and you see that he like actually loves his family. Jack Torrance in the movie, he hates that woman, and he hates that kid from the beginning of that yeah. movie, and, and you can tell. But it, the book is not like that. There's you know like he he he's being. Uh, he's being guided and possessed by the hotel and. He he comes out of it in the end of the book, and he like saves his family, yeah. and that's not you know yeah that's kind of like a happy ending or whatever. But doesn't doesn't uh, he also uh, uh, sacrifices himself though? Doesn't he? Doesn't he, he burn does. down the burn down the hotel? He do- have you seen um Have you seen um Doctor Sleep came out last mm-hmm. year? No, it wasn't uh, was Ewan McGregor in that? Ewan McGregor. So so Doctor Sleep is a sequel to The Shining, mm-hmm. and it is you know it it's based on a book by Stephen King. The book is a sequel to the book, The Shining. Right. You know what I mean? So whenever I heard they were going to make a movie, I was a little confused because I'm like, the guy who directed it, 
um, he's a big Stephen King fan, and he he has done he did um, Gerald's Game, which is one of those books that when I read it, I was like, this is unfilmable. They're never gonna put this on. The and he made it, and it's amazing. And it's amazing. Yeah. And he's done a couple other Stephen King, but um, I was confused because I'm like, you know, if he's such a big Stephen King fan, and he's gonna make an adaptation of a book that is a sequel to Stephen King's The Shining, what is he gonna do? Because we don't have a movie version of Stephen King's The Shining. Right. We have a movie version of Stanley Kubrick. And, and the character of Jack Torrance is very different in both of those. And Dick Halloran, you know, he, he, he dies in the movie version of The Shining. Yeah. He does not die in the book. And it, it doesn't, yeah. He and, comes and uh, gets, uh, uh, gets some yeah, uh, he, out of the he, snow or he, something. He, like get, that. he gets possessed by the hotel at some point, but he gets out of it. Mm. But in the, but you know, he's in. Doctor Sleep, and I'm like, well, how are they? Just it all sounds confusing. How are they going to do this? So, when Doctor Sleep came out, um, oh, I'm going to spoil this movie for you. Oh, I don't are care. you okay with that? Yeah. So, Doctor Sleep. Came I'm into out. conspiracy, sir. The movies have <laughs> movie. You don't care. Yeah. yeah. So Doc- I, I'll still watch a movie even being spoiled. Be like, that sounds fascinating. Let's right. Doctor Sleep came out, and it is a pretty faithful adaptation of the book. Most of the time, they just made Dick Haller and a ghost. The kid sees ghosts anyway. Is Who it, cares? Uh, is it uh, CGI Scatman Crow? No, they they recast they recasted and they also Wendy Torrance is in it and um uh the the kid is they, there are scenes from The Shining in this movie that they refilmed and they did it like painstakingly like shot for shot scenes. It's all new actors right. because they were like fuck that CGI stupid weird fate. They're like fuck yeah. it, we'll just recast. Who cares? Which I think is the better. That's I'd rather see that than yeah, like then, weird then CGI deep fake, dead uh, face. <laughs> yeah, but they like they like they recreated <laughs> the the Stanley Hotel. You want a bottle of water? Sure. Yeah. So they, they recreated the Stanley Hotel. They, they they did the best they could to, to make all that stuff the same. But they, in 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 the book version of Doctor Sleep, Jack Torrance kind of comes back and he kind of helps save the day a little bit. You know, right. he's a ghost or whatever, but he he, he kind of helps. He's a ghost pal. He's a ghost pal. But you know, ghost dad. He's a ghost dad exactly. But you know, <laughs> Stanley Kubrick's Jack Torrance didn't go out in a good bad guy. So yeah, they yeah. kept him a bad guy, but they. They adapted, so they adapted the ending of Stephen King's *The Shining* book into *Doctor Sleep*. And Stephen King has said, like, this movie makes me not hate Stanley Kubrick's movie as much because he, like, this dude who made this movie cared so much about you know those books and those movies that he took the continuities from the book. And the continuities from Stanley Kubrick's film, and if you anytime they cut back to stuff, you're, you're seeing like, you know, Jack Torrance from Stanley Kubrick's movie. You know what I mean? It's right. like so, but he recreated the ending of Stephen King's book in his movie, and it kind of just like ties all three of these things together in a way that they weren't. That's pretty. Cool, and it though. feels really good. You know what I mean? Like, cause it kind of like it kind of like you're like good. You know, like. You don't want to see Stephen King hate something like The Shine. That movie is amazing. Yeah, plus, like... And Stephen King loves even the really bad Stephen King movie. You know what oh, I mean? Man. He talks great about all of them, except for The Shining. I'm like, The Shining's the best movie. It's fantastic, dude. Like, it's... 
And don't get me wrong, there there are other Stephen King uh, films that are, uh, whether they're cheesy, uh, bad, yeah, uh, like Creepshow, I still love it. Creepshow's great. Yeah, it's fantastic. Seeing Leslie Nielsen as a bad guy, <laughs> man, like, and as a serious actor too, yeah. like it's like it's like that dude can fucking act. That man. dude, Leslie Nielsen was a serious actor That's before a, he. Like he did, airplane he did a comedy, gun. and they were like, "Oh, you're good at this." But he was when he was like back when you know he was doing early early films, mm-hmm. he was a serious actor. Yeah, that's why I heard it's that uh, his deadpan where he was just sort of like, "Like I don't see what's so funny about it." Yeah, <laughs> <Just like, laughs> old Leslie. <laughs> but um, and uh, some what's the guy's name? He did uh, Green Mile. Um, Oh, uh, the guy Dar- who, Darabont? Frank Darabont. Frank Darabont is another man who I think understands Stephen King better than because mm-hmm. yeah, he did he did the Green Mile, he did uh, Shawshank, he did the Mist. Those are three of the best Stephen uh, King adaptations. My my favorite. I've I've never seen the movie Salem's Lot. I hear it's terrible, so like I, I've got no interest. But my favorite Stephen King book that I read uh, was uh, Rose Matter. Yeah. Uh, is this woman that uh, she flees an abusive husband and she goes into a painting and like finds this like temple mm-hmm. in the middle it's a painting of like a field yeah. she walks into it and there's this temple and in it there's a minotaur and like this maze and there's like I think it's a baby mm-hmm. or something is in the middle right that she has to get out of the labyrinth Dude's, and he's weird yeah he's and this this guy who uh, her husband, uh, follows her and somehow knows he sees something like wind blowing in the painting or something and knows to go into the painting mm-hmm. he goes into the painting follows her into this labyrinth and becomes a minotaur okay like he <laughs> it's like a mask he uh-huh. I believe if I, I could be wrong but I believe he finds a mask somewhere in the labyrinth itself and then puts it on and becomes this minotaur and yeah. follows her back out into uh, the real world. That's crazy. I haven't, I haven't read that one. It's uh, probably late 90s, early 2000s, yeah. somewhere in there. Yeah. I just um, finished... What I like to do is if, if I hadn't seen the movie, I like to you know read the book and then just watch the movie after mm-hmm. to see what it's like. And I just finished The Dead Zone. Have you seen that? Uh, the Christopher Walken? Christopher Walken. Yeah. yeah. Not not too bad. Not too bad. Uh, yeah. The, I, I like the book a lot. The movie mm-hmm. kind of skims on some things, but that's always It's also happen. in that time span of movies where, where is that, like late 70s, early 80s, like I guess 75 to 85, somewhere yeah. there, where a lot of movies like the sound effects and like uh, the uh, sound design all sound the same. Yeah. Because they, they had... Um, uh, a shared library that they all use, right. like uh, the famous Wilhelm screen. Yeah. Right. So within it, uh, and anybody can purchase this. It's like something like a, like ten thousand classic uh, Hollywood sound effects. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess this was like right when that was like the hot new thing because you could get like a bunch of sound, but everybody was using it. So like. You know, like how everybody thought they were uh, John Carpenter and composing uh-huh. music for horror films. Mm-hmm. They're like, "Oh, okay, I'll use, I'll use synths too." Yeah, it's like, it's like oh, bro, you just like, they just hit like one note <laughs> and hold it down. <laughs> Good lord, dude. But um, yeah, uh, Stanley Kubrick's The Shining, though, man. There's 
there's something about it because, uh, as you had mentioned, like in the movie, Jack Torrance is from the get-go. He's a he's a troubled man. Yeah, you know what I mean, and not just troubled because of his uh, alcoholism, but troubled with his family. Mm-hmm. He's got uh, a wife and son that are trying to admire him and still like love him. And you know what she says is, "Oh well, you know he." You know, kind of uh, grabbed him one night and yeah. tripped over his toys. It's like, yeesh. <laughs> yeesh, Jack. But uh, you you even see... You see... Jack Nicholson's an incredible actor. Mm-hmm. Um, but you see him as Jack Torrance acting for the folks right. at the Overlook yeah. and the... the uh, Whatever uh, the first place he goes to, whenever they offer him the job yeah, or yeah, whatnot, yeah. but you see him just sort of like putting on this big yep. fake smile. He's like, "Well, I'll just love that. <laughs> <laughs> it won't be a problem. No, no, not at all." Where, where you can tell he has put it in his mind that like this, this decision to go to the Overlook mm-hmm. is is what is going to elevate him. And like give him a right. purpose. Give him time to write his masterpiece or yeah. whatever and And he'll have enough space to put between him and his wife yeah. and his son to where he uh he won't uh, have the urge to have violent outbursts, mm-hmm. right? As opposed to their uh, their small apartment that uh, they all share. Yeah. So in a in a way because as they say, like you've always been the caretaker here, right? Mm-hmm. So Jack Torrance is in Stanley Kubrick's world this troubled man that somehow is alive again after he's already died before, and like from the Overlook, mm-hmm. and now has found his way back, and it's called him, like, right, to come it's like back. brought him back there. Yeah, it's also weird, like when you're watching. I, I, I wonder sometimes what it's like for people watching that movie for the first time. I've seen it so much, you know, and it's like mm-hmm. a movie that I've been watching since I was a kid, and I'm like, God, I wonder what it's like to see this for the first time and to not know, you know, Stanley Kubrick is so, like, I feel like reading the book gives you a little bit of insight that they don't quite tell you in the movie. It's like, you know, if you're watching that movie, you're just like, why is it it's just haunted? What is The Shining? Right. Why are they, like... What is the what's happening? You just you're just like what is happening? You, there's no explanation, which is whatever. But it's like that hotel is trying to get that kid. Like it wants the kid. Yeah. You know, and it's like using whatever it can, including like its father, because it already has to get its to father. It. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And it didn't take anything. It's not. He's not even. You know, when he's in that bar and he drinks for the first time, you know, mm-hmm. he's been sober for. The, the bar's dry. There's no alcohol. He's not actually drinking alcohol. No. They, they say that. They're like, there's no alcohol on premises. Yeah. There's none. That's all just his alcoholism, just like coming back or whatever. Yeah, yeah. His, his own madness with his drug addiction. Mm-hmm. A, uh, a ghost uh, all in itself, right? Yeah. Spirits. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um yeah, the the imagery within The Shining, though, man, like everything from like just you know the, the elevators with blood, mm-hmm. the the two girls at the end of the hall, the yep. over the shoulder shots following Danny as mm-hmm. he pedals around, and he'll go around corners and around corners, and you never expect like 
I mean, unless you've been, you know, you know what to expect. But like, if you, like you said, if you've never seen the movie, yeah. and you're just following going around those corners, and then there's those two girls again. It's just like they also they also built the set purposefully to be impossible. Like I don't I don't know if you've ever heard that, but the set is so you know whenever whenever Jack. Uh, goes and sees Allman at the very beginning. He's mm-hmm. having the interview. That that's at that's in that guy's office in the hotel, and they walk him there, and they walk around corners, and they walk to where it would be impossible. He gets into the room, and then there's a window to the outside in the room, and they're like, "But if you were following how he was walking, there's no possible way that they could be somewhere in the hotel where there's." And outside, they're in the middle of the hotel, mm. but somehow, and and and, it, and Stanley Kubrick has said before he passed away, but like they, he purposefully made everything confusing. Like whenever Danny's doing all those little, like yeah. if you next time you watch it, pay attention to all that stuff. Well, it's it, impossible. The corners and the, it's like it, it's a hotel that's the setup of the hotel doesn't make any sense. Right. No, that it's interesting you bring that up. There, uh, the room where Jack writes in. Mm-hmm. Right, like there's there's another shot in particular where it kind of looks like it shows that staircase, but like it's not that staircase. Yeah. And then it'll show, hey buddy, it'll show another. There's another shot where it is that staircase, but it's it it does not look like that staircase. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, no, you can't get up there. I'm sorry, sir. Um, but no, that's that's really interesting. Um, as far as like him going around the corners, yeah, and it, the whole movie's a set. It's he, not it's not a real place at all. Like the outside is real, mm-hmm. but anytime they're inside the hotel, that's a built set, and he purposefully built it confusing to kind of like subconsciously fuck with you. Even their apartment, right? As soon as you walk in, it's just a normal hotel room. But yeah. you walk in, and it's got stairs going up. Yeah, you know what I mean, right? Like. The, the other scene where uh, Wendy is uh, walking up the stairs trying to find Danny and she comes across uh, that guy getting a blowjob from a furry mm-hmm. which that's just a fucking bizarre like <laughs> like the way it's like he just sort of like looks up yeah. like that's dog boy that's a character in the book that dog guy's boy? a dog it's dog boy it's what they call him it's character the whole thing about that is like you know there's a there's one scene where well, when she's walking around, she walks into a room and there's like a party happening, but everybody looks dead. It's basically like the ghosts of all the, basically the ghosts of all the people who who have been there are having like a party, and you know it's like a mask party. So it's just a dude who's got like he's dressed like a dog, but they're dressed like a dog because it was like a party that they were having. So right. Everybody's dressed like something weird, but it's none of that is explained in the movie. You just see him in a dog suit giving a blowjob. <laughs> you read the book; it's like a group of people. Like that is a person who had had his own thing happen at the Stanley Hotel. Like you, you get something you get in the book that you don't get in the movie is Jack finds uh, he finds like uh, a scrapbook in the hotel that the hotel kind of leaves for him to find Mm. and it is like nothing but all the bad things that have ever happened there and it talks about you know the man who built the stanley hotel and how how bad he was and all these just circumstances and all these deaths that have happened so he knows all this stuff and reading that stuff is part of like what lets them into him you know what i mean Ah. but 
when you're reading that stuff in the book, it gives you like little backstories for shots you see in the movie that are ten seconds long. Right. You know, and it's weird. It's like it's just like it's like you're it's like seeing the movie on a completely different level. I could probably understand then why uh, Stephen King would have been upset if he uh, found out somebody was making a movie about one of his favorite books, you yeah. know? Yeah. And then they're just sort of like, all right, well, this is how I want your story to you be. You ruined Dog Boy! <laughs> <laughs> Took all the Dog Boy stuff out of the book. Oh, fuck. Well, uh, uh, a, a, a Quiet Place... Yes. The next uh, on a on our list, um, which for those who don't know, Quiet Place is a spinoff of uh, about uh, Jim and Pam Halpert <laughs> after they leave Scranton uh-huh. with their children in a post-apocalyptic world. Right. And they do not like small talk. <laughs> it's um a, a Quiet Place is the it's a fantastic uh, film. Uh, I, the fact that it's almost it's a silent movie. Yeah. Like, I think the first line of dialogue is about an hour into it or mm-hmm. so, other than, I think, the old man screaming. Like, right. But, like, the... Uh, uh, what's his name? John Krasinski? Yeah. Like... Uh, directed it, co-wrote it, mm-hmm. you know, starred in it. Um, like, I haven't seen the sequel yet. I, it's not out yet. It's not out yet. It was supposed to be, but oh. movies are all shut down right oh, now. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Nobody <laughs> wants. Let's not die. Don't let the people out of the house go see a fucking film. Like, yeah, I'm not even big with m- movies, but like, even if I were, there is same thing with like concerts, man. Like you can't substitute going to a movie theater or to a concert by watching it in your living room. No, no, that's a big thing that I'm I'm kind of worried about because like AMC theaters are are they just had to close down, mm-hmm. and um, they said we're just closing for now, you know, because movies aren't being released. You know what I mean? Yeah. So they're like, we can't stay open. So they're like, we're closing, and, and our intention is to just open back up next year whenever. You know things pick up, but they're like, we don't know if we'll be able to, because like you know that's big, that's big business, and like they ain't got no income no. right now, and they're like, we we might not be open, and uh, a lot of you know some some movies are already getting put straight to like streaming or whatever, and I hate that, like that's so that's cheap. not how like straight to video. Think about it. like that's that's the modern day equivalent of like like coming soon straight to video, not to theaters. But they still want you to pay more for it. Like, I pay... You know what? Uh, Bill and Ted Face the Music came out. Mm-hmm. Bill and Ted Part 3. Right. Um, you know, that was supposed to be in the theaters. And they, they couldn't. And they were like, you know, you just... People forget about your product or whatever. You lose money. It's got to get put out. Yeah. Or it's just going to disappear. Yeah. So they were like, fuck it. We're just going to release it. But then you got to rent it. It's $20 to rent. And there's been a couple. Like there's been a couple other movies like that too. I, I rented The Invisible Man right when this all started. Mm-hmm. It went straight to streaming. Uh, there's been a couple movies, but it's twenty dollars, and I'm like, hey, you know what? Like, that's great if you got three people living in your house or something. But if it's one person, 
that's more than it would cost me to go to the movie theater. Yeah. I don't want to watch a movie on my shitty TV at home. I want to watch a movie for the first time on the biggest screen possible. I want it to be it's an it's a whole experience. Yeah. Like the I surround feel surround sound like the subwoofers where you can dude, feel mo- your body shake. Movies you know? like real real movies are made it's an experience. You know what I mean? It is supposed to be it's supposed to take you out of your whatever you're you know what I mean take you out of the world you're in for two hours or whatever but you can't do that if it's just like I don't know man putting big tentpole movies like that straight to streaming and making me watch it on my crappy TV it just it sucks dude well it's not it's not worth that kind of money it's not right like if if you if it's just renting you're just watching it at home then I mean, shoot, dude. I figure it would be, like, worth a quarter of that price. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it should be, like, five bucks. Yeah. Five, like, that's what it is to rent. Like, you know, you, you buy movies for 20 bucks. Yeah. If you want to buy a movie, you can buy a movie online right now, and it will they'll send you the DVD, and you'll get the streaming version of yeah. it. <laughs> for 15 to $20. Like, I, I don't want to pay $20 to rent. I, I bought Bill and Ted because I was like, I'm not going to not watch Bill and Ted. I want to see Bill and Ted. Right. I want to see how bad this is. I got to see it. And it was like $20 to rent. It was like 23 to just own. So I'm like, I'm just going to buy it, I guess. You know? Whatever. It's a pain in the butt, dude. It sucks. And there's a lot of movies that are, you know, suffering from it right now. A lot of movies have been pushed like yeah. very far. They basically said, you know, like... Some of those, you know, I don't really give a shit about what the Marvel movies have to do because, like, they're going to make their money no matter what. Like, that's, that's a... That's that, Disney To me, money, that yeah. is a different level than something like A Quiet Place. Oh, yeah. You know? Oh, well, yeah. But You're those movies, the biggest but everything, studio on the planet. Yeah, but everything is basically pushed forward. So, and it's like... It's dude. It's super weird. Like you know, there was supposed to be uh, there was supposed to be another Ghostbusters movie. There's supposed to be another uh, Godzilla movie, and they got pushed back so far that like all the toys and the merchandise are kind of all rolling out. But it's like it's gonna mess with everything because that sp- stuff is all supposed to coincide with when the movie comes out, right. so people don't forget about it. But it, all these contracts are in place, so that shit is already you know there's toys for a Godzilla movie that came out a couple months ago and that movie's not gonna be out maybe for another year you know it's just gonna like nobody it's like everything's shut down what can you do you know I don't know it's all weird whenever this whole thing I know we're getting off track this is completely off topic we'll get get back we'll get back to Jim and Pam Halpert's uh, (laughs) uh, uh, spinoff series but uh, yeah man this this whole year like whenever Shit went sideways, and then like everything was just like like oh, shut her down, and yeah. I'm, immediately I, I'm cynical and skeptical about that kind of stuff because it's like why are we giving this much control to whoever like the like uh, bigger corporations, government, whoever's like mandating it, <coughs> but like like all these like local like businesses like local theaters and. Even like a local food uh, service uh, places, like restaurants and whatnot, like their their failure, suffering right now, is it could be avoided. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I I don't I don't like it. I don't think it's American. I don't think it's uh, very fair to be able to say that uh, certain businesses can be open, other ones cannot. And like you said, like something like Marvel, like like Hollywood, Disney, like top yeah. tier, like the big six companies, they they can just 
decided just like, all right, we'll just cancel 2020. Yeah, and it's not going to hurt them. No, it's no. not. And that's basically what they've done. Like, I, I definitely like not to get into all the, you know. I know you're deeply quarantine yeah. shit or whatever. I, I know but you're it's deep like, into politics. Yeah, and right. Conspiracies, I, so. I definitely don't like. <laughs> I don't know, man. It's just, I think we're at the point... Whether you thought the quarantine was good or bad, we're past that at this point. And if we're at a point if we're at a point where, you know, schools can be open, why can't a movie theater... I don't understand why the movie theaters aren't open. Yeah. You know, I just don't, I just don't get what's, what's keeping everything... I, I think it's all just... Um, honestly, I, th- I think everything got, that's tied with uh, how they've handled the crisis... Uh, not necessarily the crisis itself, but mm-hmm. just as far as how they've handled it. How it's been handled. Um, I think it's all political, dude. I think I think it probably is, but it's probably also like... I think it's really easy to sit back and be like, hey, you know what? If we all would have quarantined at the very beginning, we could have taken control of it. And maybe that's true, but mm-hmm. also, like, it's impossible. Like, we're a giant nation of people, and I guess, like... I think most of us. It's hard already, to. I think we've already gotten it, man. It's I, po- yeah, I, yeah. I think sure. if we've already not gotten it, then I think that we're all gonna get it. Yeah. And I think it's just it's something somewhere, but that has symptoms of uh, a common cold, or excuse me, uh, as far as how the virus acts, is mm-hmm. like a common cold that has like flu-like symptoms. That if you have some other comorbidity, it can really fuck you up. Yeah. However, we can't live our lives in fear. We can't just run. Uh, livelihoods into destitution and kill industries and kill small businesses like for for the illusion of safety right. and I think that that is kind of where we've gotten to now so even if that even if it's not political even with that there are people that are trying to capitalize on this crisis any way they can like there was some stuff going on with um, the uh, second stimulus before uh, 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 the president uh, Trump uh, said that we're we're just going to do it after the election. Too much uh, shit going on. Mm-hmm. So one one of the things that was in there was they wanted uh, uh, Nancy Pelosi and her her crew wanted to have to get rid of voter ID to get rid of signature verification across the country and to have. Uh, universal mail-in ballots mm-hmm. like not where you request it just like everybody like right. just gets sent a ballot and that those demands had to be met in order for us citizens to be able to get our second stimulus going on so while Trump is a douchebag and I, I, I am not a fan of the the uh, right-wing uh, religious sect as mm-hmm. far as you know how I don't look at the Middle East. It's not really doing too well. You know what I mean? Um, but this was the big impediment that was going on was that they were trying to do stuff that was relevant to the election. And even uh, the White House said, like, what the hell does sig- removing signature verification from uh, votes and uh, uh, outlawing voter IDs, even in states where they voted to have a voter ID and make it illegal, what does that have to do with coronavirus relief? It has nothing to do with it. Yeah, and like, like these these folks that have been in power, I don't give a shit what political party they're affiliated with, but if you've been in power for like more than two decades and sitting up here, what 
like we're saying, like these these folks have nothing to worry about by canceling a whole year. Right. Just yeah. being like, like, okay, well, I'm I'm not gonna make uh, as much money this year, but how can I plan to make money for next year? Yeah. They've already got money to invest, you know, stowed away. Not not a fan of it. Not a fan <laughs> of it at all, man. Uh, I think that the those uh, at least here in Georgia. I mean, how long were you guys shut down at the shop for? Uh, I think right at a month. Maybe a little less than a month. So it wasn't pretty too much bad. for the, just like the the first hard lockdown. Yeah, we were whenever they started. We were among the first kind of business that was allowed to be open again. Just I guess because of the uh, bloodborne pathogens that could happen within a a, I'm, a body mod shop. I'm honestly not sure what where the thinking was with like I I feel like if if something is something is happening where something is like. You know, uh, jumping from person to person, you would maybe want to open the places like a tattoo shop last. But also, I needed to work, so right. it's like you know, I wasn't complaining too hard about it. But it didn't seem like the. It seemed a little early for me to be like, oh, we're gonna go ahead and open tattoo shops. Right. Okay, all right. Well, I know, I know a couple of couple of shops had a uh, had some scares. I think there was only like one or two. In this area, yeah, um, but um, everybody turned out fine. But you know, it's yeah. I think also with like tattoo shops, you're talking about like such scrutiny that those like a tattoo shop has to be so sterile. Yeah, like all yeah, yeah. The time. It's like a doctor's office. Yeah, so I, I guess that's why like they thought like you know if anybody's gonna be clean enough, it's gonna be us. I guess. Yeah, we they did like our, our health department came in and and they gave us a new set of guidelines that we needed to be following right they didn't say permanently but they were like hey while this is happening here's a here's a set of guidelines we need you guys to stick to but we were already do we were like we already do all these you know it was like we're like we already do all this stuff the only thing that we're having to do right now that we don't normally do is we gotta wear a mask right tattoo shops gotta wear we're the only tattoo shop actually wearing the masks (laughs) but the health department is requiring us to do that so we're we're gonna do that for now i mean yeah, me, me being conspiratorial and whatnot, I I, I don't wear one. But yeah. if I if I'm going to get my groceries, I I don't want any flack from anybody. I just yeah. I just I just want my spinach. You know, <laughs> I want to go in there and get my food. And like so, I, I just it's most of the stuff I think is a placebo, dude. Like the cloth masks, like they're not. Nobody's wearing like N95s like all the time. Yeah. Like, that's something I've noticed too, and um, you know, I, I I will wear my mask if I go out or whatever. Mm-hmm. But you know, like I have seen plenty of people where I'm like, that's just a t-shirt cut up, or that's just like a mask you bought on eBay that doesn't have a filter in it. It's right. just a piece of cloth. A piece of cloth covering your mouth does not equal a mask. No, <laughs> especially the kind of mask that they're saying you should be wearing like we 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 order them you know so we mm-hmm. get them in boxes and we'll we'll put if someone needs one we'll put them out but also those masks are also only supposed to be worn like one time and then thrown away and you know like those are not those kind of masks aren't you're not supposed to wear those like a week for a week right. you know what i mean it's like people are just wearing the same mask over and over or yeah i i don't like i'm i'm wearing it right. but i i don't think I think 50% of the people are are doing it improperly. 
The I'll, I'll be frank with you, uh, dear sir. The only reason I wear mine is legitimately if the business requires me to go in. Yeah. And uh, suffice it to say, it has only been uh, like corporate stores. So like you know the grocery store, or like Dollar General, because they're yeah. all over the place. Um, but other than that, any local business I've, I've been in, nobody, nobody says care. anything. Yeah, I've noticed that like you know the WalMarts and Targets and everything require you to have one when you walk in. Yeah. But they're not. If you walk in and take it off, they're they're not saying anything. Yeah, I mean, like like what what they don't want to end up they don't want to end up on YouTube. You know, (laughs) people are people are are getting a little crazy on both sides of it. So seriously, man, I think people are just trying to. I uh, I think I was I talked about this on a uh, last podcast, but I was uh, in the grocery store. You know, I've got my uh, my my bullshit placebo uh, bandana on my face. Mm -hmm. You know, and uh, it was a. I'm walking down the aisle, and this other guy's walking towards me. He has no mask on, so he sees you know me, this you know large tattooed bearded uh, lumberjack looking fellow, like slowly grab my and pull it down, mm-hmm. and I like, see his eyes sort of like widen. I was like, "Hey man, how you doing today?" <laughs> <laughs> he, he was taken aback. I guess he was expecting me to be like, "Yo, where's your fucking mask, bro?" Yeah, but <laughs> he just looked back. He's like, uh, 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 "All right, how are you?" <laughs> but. Anyway, back to back to Jim and Pam. <laughs> a quiet place. <laughs> a quiet place. The um, one thing I absolutely uh, loved about it is it's something that uh, a lot of uh, my favorite horror films do is they don't explain too much. Yeah. They don't, in quiet a quiet place. They don't explain what these aliens are. Yeah. They don't explain where they come from or anything. Mm-hmm. You get a little bit of hint yeah. of it. But it's essentially what happens to this family in three days' time. Mm-hmm. Uh, not sequential, but I think it's like, man, that opening uh, uh, scene whenever uh, the little kid gets it. Yeah, yeah. I, I, anytime I see a movie, this is going to sound heartless, but anytime I see a movie where they kill the little kid, I'm into that because that shows me that that's not a filmmaker who is like. So many movies today are are follow this like unwritten set of rules and like yeah. not killing the kid is one of them. Right. And I'm like, hey, you know what? Like, kids would die in this situation. Well, I mean, you figure. Show it. Let, let's see it. I I totally agree with you. If nothing uh, nothing else, you should figure some of these Hollywood uh, freaks have been killing enough kids on Epstein <laughs> Island that they should be okay with it. <laughs> What's uh, one? What's one more kid? What's, what's one I'm just more like kid? you know, a horror movie is supposed to be horrifying. Oh, and man. like, what's more horrifying than like a, a child being killed? Like, you're right. Can you imagine uh, the audition that you'd have to go through? It's just like, uh, I mean, the kid was great, but I mean, now he's dead. <laughs> Bring in the next audition. No, the um, it's so terrible. But um, what what was it? Uh, Exorcist: The Beginning. Oh boy. Where the there um, uh, uh, Marin is in uh, Africa, yeah, and like the one little boy gets eaten by uh, hyenas. jackals, hyenas, yeah, yeah. Good God, dude, <laughs> that happens like out of nowhere. Too. Yeah, it's like, yeah, that's a rough one. Um, I, <laughs> quick tangent on that one. I went with a buddy of mine to go see that movie, and. We had smoked dope beforehand, and he's a row or two behind me because you know no, nobody's in the theater to go yeah. see Exorcist: New Beginning. <laughs> but that scene comes on, and whenever it happens, he just starts like laughing, like because ah! <laughs> like, you never kill a kid <laughs> right, in a horror right. movie, dude. I don't know if you know that movie. Um, so 
There's two versions of that movie. Really? Yeah, and they're two complete different movies. And the only person who's in both is the guy who plays Marin. They fired every. They filmed. They filmed the entire film. Didn't like it. Fired everybody except Marin. Kind of rewrote it. It's got some of the same stuff in it. Mm-hmm. Recasted, refilmed, and then they put the second one in the theater. But whenever it came out on DVD, they re- they released the other one too. The other one's better. Really? <laughs> yeah. But there I- are two versions, and like, dude, it's weird, man. All, all these prequels and. I, the Exorcist is one of my all-time. It's on the list. It's yeah. one of my all-time favorite movies, and I think it's amazing. It's up there with The Shining for me. And Part th- Exorcist Three. Have you ever seen that one? Yeah, the um, Freakin uh, directed that one as well. Yeah, well, that one was based. It's 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 Part Three in the film series, but it is based on the book he wrote. Right sequel to the first movie so like there is an exorcist one and two books and then hollywood made exorcist two that's a which was awful and then he came back and filmed you know part and and i think james earl jones wearing like a cheetah guard in one that scene oh yeah i think so like it was like part of like reagan's dreams yeah or something like that that. movie's weird yeah it's i i think like i had always Whenever I first saw it, it was still in the days of like Hollywood video, mm-hmm. you know, and like I was, all, I was always uh, had trepidation because I was like, ah. I mean, maybe it's got some redeeming scenes in it or something, like nothing, no, like nothing, it doesn't at all, like it's a horrible, horrible movie. The third one though, it's it may have one of the uh, best jump scares, oh yeah, in a movie. I know like, exactly what you're talking the about. Hallway, yeah, the hallway with the. <sighs> That movie's great, man, because it's one of those, like, the thing that makes a sequel good is when it's not trying to just be exactly like the first movie. Right. And I know that's hard. I guess that's hard to do. But, (laughs) you know, like, the main character of Exorcist 3 is the cop from part one. And most of the movie, you're like, what does this have to do with The Exorcist? Until you get to, like, the end. And you're like, oh, that's what it has to do with The Exorcist. But it's that movie's great, I think. The, um, I think the... The movie doesn't. Oh shoot! Did I just break your chair? Dude, I just broke your chair. I'm sorry. That's okay. I owe you a chair. (laughs) You don't owe me a chair. That chair was already kind of busted. I feel bad. I think I can put it back together with some glue. No worries. (laughs) Long as long as the legs are still there. Whatever. There's popped out of the thing. Yeah, dude, I'll, I'll fix it later, man. It's, it's no worries. Oh, I'm not a very materialistic person. <laughs> um, the best sequel, hands down, that uh, does a good job of not trying to just redo the first one, is, uh, without question, Gremlins 2, The New Batch. <laughs> I love that movie. Like, that movie takes... Takes a turn. It, it, it does, man, because it's um, Wes Craven's new nightmare reminds me a lot of Gremlins too, mm-hmm. because Gremlins two stars the same people, same cast, yep. um, and it more or less makes a parody yeah. of the first movie. Yeah, the first movie itself. It's like a different tone. Complete. It's like anarchistic comedy. Yeah, 
it references itself. And yeah. it makes fun of like, you know, there's there's a whole scene where they're making fun of the rules for the gremlins and I'm like, they're just making fun of the first movie. Yeah. Uh, I think I like Gremlins 2 better than the first. I think the first movie is it's, it's maybe a perfect movie. It's really great. There is some scary stuff Would in there. Would you say it's a Christmas movie or a horror movie? Man, I think it's both. A Christmas horror movie. It it's is. a rare breed of yeah, a Christmas horror movie. There's not a lot of those. But I think that movie has some legitimately... The first Gremlins, when I was a kid, I was scared of Gremlins. Dude, whenever uh, 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 they... Um, a hatch from the attic and uh, yeah. Billy's mom is home by herself. Yeah. And like she has to like, like she kills four of it's them. It's like hiding in the Christmas tree and you see its eyes. Like there's mm-hmm. there's some for for little kids there's some scary stuff. They also flat out say that Santa Claus is not real in that movie. Yeah. Like that's that's that you know Gremlins is why there's a PG-13. There was not a PG-13 rating until Gremlins came out. I thought it was a Temple of Doom. Uh Maybe they came out the same year. It might have been sort of the same thing. But wonder, uh, wonder what year those came. If they came out the same year, then I bet you what it was. The uh, MPAA probably cited both of them because they were PG. And you know, uh, uh, Temple of Doom, uh, to my knowledge, still is the only PG movie with graphic violence. Yeah, in it. maybe maybe you're right. Nineteen eighty four. Let's see, Gremlins. Nineteen eighty four. Yeah. So, same time. so maybe it was within the both. Both, the, both have Steven Spielberg involved as well. So mm. it might have been. It might have been a bit of both. People are getting annoyed at him. Maybe. You know what? I wonder what if possibly they saw a way to broaden a market to set a new market to be like, okay, well, why don't we have. G, we could have that be for like little kids. Yeah. And then PG, we could have it to be for like if you're in kindergarten all the way up through elementary school, mm-hmm. this is your market. Right. PG 13 will be the broadest appeal because you got teenagers, which is the market that they want to target to. Mm-hmm. And then you'll have little kids that can also get in. Yeah. Like, and they'll have enough adult content right. uh, to keep them in there as well. Like, I could see Spielberg yeah, influencing that, even like getting people to use his own movies as examples. Right, right, right. In order, because I mean, he is probably maybe the king of PG thirteen like movies. Yeah, like yeah. I mean, every every everybody wants their movie to feel like a Steven Spielberg movie. You yeah. Know what I mean? There's a uh, there's a magic quality about yeah, it. yeah. the the music the mm-hmm. cinematography the character development that hardly ever will you find a bad actor in a Steven Spielberg yeah. movie. You know you you mentioned Poltergeist earlier. You know that it just came out like last year that Steven Spielberg directed that. Oh, it was not Toby Hooper. No, it Toby Hooper was there. So there's a whole there. People have always kind of speculated about it mm-hmm. because there's plenty, there's a lot of photos of Steven Spielberg on set doing what looks like directing. And he was like, you know, the producer or whatever. Um, but it had come out from Toby Hooper that um, he had like, he was hired as a director, but he was only hired as a director because it was out of a technicality, because there was some sort of contract that Steven Spielberg was under where he was mm. not supposed to be directing. 
but he was there on set. He could be there on set as a producer or whatever. But they were like, yeah, he he directed the movie. And Toby Hooper was like, he's not. He wasn't mad or like. I, I've read some interviews with him where he's like, yeah, he's like, I basically was his second hand man on that yeah. movie. That um that movie's got some uh, or excuse me that uh, franchise has some interesting uh, sequels with it. The Poltergeist series. Yeah. The the second one, I mean. Granted, the first one's still the best one, and I mm-hmm. have not seen the remake that they yeah. did. I hear they sent a drone in through the closet to uh, get Carol Ann. It's not good. Um, I haven't watched the remake for, uh, for The Thing either, and don't plan on it either. Well, that's a prequel. It's a prequel to... It's awful. <laughs> but it is... But, is, but it, is, it, it is supposed to be in continuity with, with John Carpenter's yeah. thing. It's bad. You could tell watching that movie that it was it was originally supposed to be a remake, and they decided kind of at the last minute to like make a it a prequel. But it's like the sequence of events are exactly what happens in the thing. It's like it's clear this was a remake at right. some point. It's not. It's not good at all. The um, the second uh, Poltergeist, the uh, character Kane. The mm-hmm. preacher man, yeah, like that's a good he's character. Scary. Yeah, man, yeah, that's a good character. And in the uh, in the third one, where he starts like moving through mirrors and glass, mm-hmm. like that's some creepy ass shit. Dude. Yeah, like I like I like that as well. There's some creative shots in the third Poltergeist. Yeah. Not a good movie, but there's yeah. a there's like one scene where it's it's one of the guys that's in the movie. All of a sudden, he like jumps up out of the floor. Like mm-hmm. they're in like a parking garage. Is it? Or it's something? a puddle. Yeah. It's like a puddle in a parking garage. Yeah. yeah. And he like hops out of it mm-hmm. and it's not him. It's like like the the hotel or the building now the skyscraper like now yeah. has him and like there's like he like goes to this girl and like touches her ear and like rips her ear off. Oh, it's been a long time since I've seen like, that one. And then they then they like yeah. look at each other longingly like <laughs> and then they walk off into the mirror. Like yeah. they're just in the mirror. There's nothing else with them. But the uh, there's a shot in the second one where Craig T. Nelson gets drunk and he drinks the worm, mm-hmm. and then he vomits back up that yeah. worm and it grows into this stuff. thing. Yeah, like I wish there were more creature effects effects that were done in movies nowadays. Yeah, like there's some within like the past ten years where like CGI is it's not catching up to like what creature effects like could do yeah you know what I it's mean che- CGI is cheaper and that's why they just they go with that yeah well it's like um, like the Marvel movies you know like Marvel movies from like 10 years ago the special effects almost look better than Marvel movies now because yeah. 10 years ago they were filming real locations yeah. and bringing building real costumes and stuff yeah now now it's like I, I think some I think sometimes the CGI is fine and for some things it's like not a big deal to me but it's like those movies are you know whenever Green Lantern came out a lot of people made fun of it because his suit is all CGI mm-hmm. and that was the first time it did and everybody was like that looks bad but now all their suits are like it's always CGI with just their face yeah. stuck on top like that's what it is now yeah. anytime they're in their costumes it's like it's all CGI well the um they took The Hobbit and they made the three movies out of that that was bad oh not enjoyable the smog uh, scenes are excellent. Yeah. Like any anything with the dragon is cool, but I think that's like two hours out of the the nine hours. Of, yeah, exactly. Um, 
but like most of that movie is like so like CGI heavy yeah, and like kind of the appeal of the, the Lord of the Rings trilogy was that like you it looked like it was folks that made a movie yeah they it, did all those orcs practically yeah and then they're just all CGI yeah anytime you see there's one shot in particular in uh, uh, Return of the King where they forgot to render shadows on, yeah. on the horses as they're galloping oh towards the black gate <laughs> and so you can you can see as like the camera's panning and it follows them. It's like wow, that looks. Wait, there's no why did why are there no shadows on anybody? <laughs> and they they just left it in there, you know. It's, but like they even like added like they changed like the subtitles in the Hobbit. They're like like we'll make magical subtitles. It's like bro, I don't I don't need a fade in effect or a wipe on the yeah. subtitles. Just boop, pop yeah. them up there, and that's it. They're like. Like have they'll have subtitles come up in like Elvish and then like mutated to right, English. Right, right. That's. Whew. I haven't seen those since they were in the theater. Um, I just remember being so. Like what? What do they do? What is this? Ha- what's happening? There were trolls singing songs and dwarves singing songs in the first one. Mm-hmm. I, like literally the first one was. Most. Mostly just them just like um, sitting around that table talking about like well, these are the things we're going to do. Yeah. It's like, all right, guys, did you? I'm sure you can find more stuff in the book here. It's not a long book. <laughs> the but, book's very short. Yeah. yeah, and they'd made three. You know, they they had to pull a bunch of stuff from other Lord of the Rings books. Yeah, because they wanted to make it into three movies. You know, like the book's not big. It's not like the Lord of the Rings. The Hobbit is not a big book. No, I think it's less than two hundred pages. I think so. Yeah. But um, yeah, speaking of practical effects, uh, John Carpenter's uh, The yes. Thing, yep. um, the poor, poorly described, is a uh, a uh, getaway vacation for men goes <laughs> awry when a stray dog comes into the compound. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Wacky adventures and <laughs> we follow the wacky adventures of a sci-fi team <laughs> on a weekend getaway to Antarctica. That um, golly man, like the th- the thing like has some stuff. Kind of what we were talking about earlier with like those those Lovecraftian like yeah. monsters. Yeah, for sure. Stuff that you can't just. I when I was a kid, I remember one time, I walked into the living room. I was supposed to be in bed, and I walked into the living room, and I was behind like my mom was watching a movie, and I was behind the couch. She she didn't know I was there. She was watching the thing. I didn't know what it was at the time. But it was at. I walk. I as I look at the screen, and the first thing I'm seeing is the scene where all the dogs are being killed and turned into. You know, like yeah. when it's like acclimating all the other dogs. And I remember being like, it. It fucked me up. I remember being like, this. It was the scariest thing I'd ever seen. I was a kid, you know. And my mom was like, you don't need to be watching this. And then it was like years and years later when I was old enough to start like renting movies on my own I'm like oh, I heard this movie's good and I put it in and I was like this is that movie <laughs> I was like this is that fucking movie that my mom was watching that one time that's I, I know that exact moment you're talking about because you see like this husky sort of like twitch and rear its head and it's got blood in its mouth and then its entire head yes. yeah. opens up like a flower yep. and then like this weird pistol comes out of it yeah like, 
That's the stuff of my fucking nightmares. There's that movie's well, got some gross stuff in it. Oh my god! Well, that's the stuff of my nightmares, and being back in a kitchen and the ticket machine just keeps <laughs> printing tickets, and I'm late for a shift, and nobody else is in the kitchen but me, and everybody's mad. I have I have those kind of existential nightmares, um, but no man, like um, just the the sound effects in that movie, like. The, the creature effects in it, the every, every iteration of when a, th- a a part of the thing is revealed, yeah, is nothing like the previous, like what you just saw. So like yeah. when you're introduced, and it splits this dog. It's not a dog, like but open, and then you see it like reach these like artery like tentacles out. Like mm-hmm. they're not like octopus tentacles. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, they look like they belong in a body. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Whenever, whenever they're doing CPR on that guy, oh. and it just open a mouth just opens up and bites his arms off, and it just that whole it is the most. It's like a that whole movie is very nerve wracking. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like all the paranoia, not knowing. Like you can even seeing that movie a million times, you can still sit down and be like, okay, well, who was the thing? When you know when when was this? person an alien when did they get you know what i mean like right. that movie's very effective yeah because yeah, all, all you know is that um it shows you the dog which to the audience you know that something is amiss with this yeah. dog mm-hmm. you know and you see it uh go into someone's room and you see someone you become, just see a shadow yeah you see you don't even see what's happening just that whoever's in that room is aware the dog is there yeah the dog is like Right, assumedly going into the room, you mm-hmm. know, to assimilate that person. But the um, golly man, that scene where that mouth opens up, and then um, is that where they also they light him on fire, and that his uh, his head his head comes off, yeah, yeah, and then becomes sprouts like, legs yeah, and eyes like a crab and it's like thing crawling around, yeah. Like, That's when they're doing God. like the. That I think is I think that might be after the blood test scene. The blood test scene is that's where the guy's head opens up and yeah. like starts chewing him like an insect. Right, right. Uh, windows. Windows. That's the guy that uh, he ate or yeah. whatnot. But yeah, that. Oh God, man! Like just to like that kind of horror of like whatever this thing was that they found, where it's so intelligent that it wants to like wipe out everything. Yeah. Like everything, right? Like all, all it's doing is just like, like it's so aware. Like they talk about, like every little cell is a part. It's of It's another, thing. yeah. It's it's apparently like super intelligent, you mm-hmm. know. And like you don't when you look at a, a spider head crawling around, you know, shooting tentacles. It's hard to imagine that something like that is smarter than you are. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> but that thing is smarter than everybody in that movie. Yeah. And I mean, like, you know, that movie ends with you not really wondering or not really knowing, like, is one of these dudes the thing at that point? You know, it ends with the two of them, and they're both kind of like, you know, they're both kind of sitting there, like, side-eyeing each other. Yeah. Everything's on fire, and you're like, well, they're going to die anyway because yeah. they're out in the middle of the cold. But. There's a there's a there's a ton of theories about that ending and and John Carpenter has has said like one of them is a, is the thing I'm right. not telling you who it is it's either uh, is it Keith David is yeah. the one and Kurt Kurt Russell Kurt Russell yeah golly man do you ever, uh, do you ever see uh, speaking of Keith David and John Carpenter do you ever see They Live yeah 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 dude 
that's a fucking cool. That's movie. a good movie. Yeah. The the fight scene between Keith. Uh, it's like ten David. minutes long. Yeah, he yeah. and Rowdy Roddy Piper. It just doesn't end. <laughs> it just doesn't end. Like after you think they're just like, all right, they're done. Like South Park. Whenever they did the cripple fight episode, yeah. that fight is a shot for shot of the fight from They Live. Yeah, yeah. Even like <laughs> it just goes even, on forever. Even like the dialogue, like because Timmy's like you know he says Timmy and then yeah. Timmy looks back and he's like not this year. <laughs> <laughs> that's a fun. That's a fun movie. That movie like also got like a slow build, but like the end. Whenever you see the like, it's this. This, spoiler alert: This secret society of these alien things that are working with humans, yeah. like the, an elite group of humans, in order to more or less have all the other humans be cattle right. for them, so mm-hmm. they can use the earth and all this high technology however they please. Yeah, and then you know, Rowdy Roddy Piper destroys their communication their signal, yeah, or whatever. satellite. Yeah. Everybody can see them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good. That movie's good. Yeah. I really, really like that movie. The um, parts with the uh, the thing, the um, the music in it, like John Carpenter. He's just he's just got like that simple synth. Doom, doom. Yeah, that pulse. Doom, doom. Yeah, that music is that music is as terrifying as the movie is. Yeah, and something so simple, like imagine if like. <laughs> you came to a band, you're like, guys, I've got a great idea. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, cool. What comes after that? No, no, no. That's it. That's all we do. We do this for ten minutes. <laughs> Paul, I want you to just sort of slowly just drone in a G note at about the four minute marker. And then just hold that for about three minutes and yeah. slowly bow it back out again. All, all of John Carpenter's music is really... Is really good. Yeah, I mean, and he's doing it himself. Yeah, you too. You think know, about it's how own... iconic the Halloween music yeah. is. Did uh, you you've seen the Hateful Eight, right? Yes. Um. So, you know, that's another movie. Quentin Tarantino has said like, "This is my, this is like my version of the thing," mm. because it is Kurt Russell. Right. It's a group of people stuck in a one place in the middle of a blizzard. Nobody knows who anybody is. And also, the music in Hateful Eight is the original score to The Thing. Oh, that the score, Marconi? Yep, that score was written for The Thing, and they decided not to use it for The How Thing. about that? So Quentin said, I'll take it. Fuck yeah. Yeah, dude. so that all, all that music, like, you watching that movie, like, thinking about it, like, mm-hmm. there's definitely scenes where you're like, I, I can see, like, a... Yeah. They make a good double feature, oh, you know? totally, totally. The... There's this thing about that, that kind of isolation mm-hmm. as well, you know, like um, the actors in the thing, they all do a really good job of showing like the tension, Yeah, you know what I mean? And each one of them sort of dealing with it differently. Mm-hmm. Like the character Windows is just sort of like, oh gee guys, I, I don't know, yeah. like, come on now. And then... Wilford Brimley just goes crazy. Yeah, yeah. Tries Watch to Clark. Watch <laughs> Clark. He's with the dogs a long time. I know you're fine, Mac. Watch Clark. Yep. All the while, he's the he's thing. the thing. Yeah, he's the thing. <laughs> and I think there's that there's that one point in the story that it's maybe what uh, has 
<laughs> Wilford Brimley uh, leave the shack to go get his uh, <laughs> what's, what's fucking diabetic uh, oh uh, it's the diabetes like yeah. uh, insulin insulin yeah that's, that's why he had to leave the uh, shack <laughs> but uh, I think there's that one point where it could be conceived that he is the only thing current mm-hmm. and that's probably why he was like I need to get out of the shack right like self-preservation yeah. really sets in where he realizes all the other cells right, yeah. outside That's the shack. That's true, yeah. Or elsewhere. He could go be out there and just like build a spaceship in peace. Yeah. And then when he realizes that like they found all yeah. the other parts of himself. Yeah. I know there's there's also like uh, some people think at the end of the movie you know um, uh <clears throat> The uh, I'm I'm blanking on his name now, but uh, the main the main dude, uh, Mac. Mac, yeah, he uh, he had he hands that bottle to uh, to the other guy, and you know he drinks uh, from it. Yeah. But it's like you know, people I've seen people say like, okay, but he was he was just throwing Molotov cocktails, so that's not alcohol. That like that's there's there's you know. It could be high grain fluid in there. It could be possibly. high grain uh, alcohol. True. Yeah, yeah. But uh, but that's just one of the theories that some people think that bottle has like gasoline in it because uh, he was making Molotov and he gives it to that guy and he just drinks it because he's an alien and he doesn't know that he's supposed to. Oh, he like tricks him into. You know what I mean? Gotcha. Like that's like him revealing that he's an alien. Yeah. In, uh, in the very end, that that's just people's theory, but it's like. It's a pretty good uh, yeah, it's inference a good, from it. Yeah. Hell yeah, I didn't even think about that. Fire's going to die out eventually. <laughs> <laughs> ah, so the the exorcist. Mhm. Mhm. How how would you sum that up? Um the exorcist is about a kid you know, just like finding her her life in in religion. <laughs> learning a com- about a coming of age story. Yeah, it's of, just learning of a of a young girl's uh, first uh, <laughs> uh, experience with Beelzebub. Yeah, exactly. Um, that move that movie's great. Why do you think they cut the spider walk scene from the first uh, draft? I don't, of? I don't know, dude. I, I I like the spider walk scene, and and I know, and I feel like. Thinking about that scene now mm-hmm. feels a lot like those kind of jump scary things that annoy me in other movies. Right. But the rest of the movie is so it's so well done, and it's one of those movies that's like possession movies are so there is the Exorcist, and then every other possession movie is just kind of like you're just ripping off. Hundred percent agree. Hundred percent agree. I've not seen one possession movie or one even American Horror Story had a possession episode all of them ride William Peter Blatty's dick yeah. like yeah like the book The Exorcist and uh, Friedkin's version of it like like and he I, does a very good job I think it's because it's super like uh, it's just it's super well written it's mm-hmm. very realistic and just the whole movie in general I, I mean we, we've never seen a possession so I can't say that that's realistic but everything right. feels realistic it feels natural and it feels like it's also very unrelenting and he has that you know that character that child is saying the like most horrible things yeah 
and and they just don't make movies like that anymore. They would not. They wouldn't do that. You know. So it's like it just feels like more of a real movie than saying like watching you know the exorcism of Emily Rose where yeah. now nowadays when you're watching an exorcism movie it just means people bend in weird ways yeah. you know what i mean yeah. and like nothing about that hearing like you know whenever he's whenever uh, uh, the priest is sitting there and he's hearing his mother's voice come out at like yeah like that shit is that is that is what is scary yeah. you know what i mean like something else i love about that um is that shit happens during the daytime in The Exorcist yeah. as well? Yeah, like it's not just limited to nighttime. Like whenever she's like uh, stabbing her crotch with the crucifix, right. saying "Let Jesus fuck you." Yeah, like it's in the middle of the fucking day. Yep. Like there's. That, mm. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like when horror movies do that because even that's one thing I liked about uh, the first Insidious and probably out of all of James Wan, maybe the other a couple of the mm-hmm. Saw movies, but. Everything else has universe, whatever. But yeah. shit happened during the daytime in the first Insidious, where I was yeah. like, "Thank you." Yeah. Like, like at at least that's something that like, it's more believable. Mm-hmm. Like, like if this girl, shit happens during the day, yeah. Like, <laughs> if you can make stuff scary during the day, then like I mean that means you're you're doing stuff right. You know yeah. what I mean, like if if, if nighttime is that's a crutch. Yeah. That's a that's a that's a movie making like crush. Do it all at night. Yeah. Don't show the creature. It's nighttime. You yeah. know, it, it's scary because it's already dark and you can't see. Yeah. Well, hey, Get the hey, fuck hey, out of here. Ain't you ever been lost in the woods before? Yeah. It's scary as fuck. Yeah. <laughs> Make it a dark. Nighttime. Yeah, yeah. A quiet place? Nah, fuck that. Make it nighttime. It's dark. You gotta be real quiet in the dark, right? <laughs> the first draft it was all during the daytime. <laughs> they see all the aliens and just like yeah. <laughs> tiptoeing past him like Scooby Doo in the yeah. game. Yeah, I don't but, know, man. Just the, the 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 events of how The Exorcist, like where that movie starts, it's like a, it's a very slow progression to her, you know, becoming possessed. Right. And by the time she's like fully, it's just it's all really, it's just well done. I think that's one thing that one of the many things rather that makes the sequel so bad is that it like. One, it like like starts naming like the entity that possessed her. It's like like it's a demon named Azul. Yeah, it's all. Yeah. It's like man, fuck. Can't just be like something weird happened where like they were digging in uh, where is it somewhere in Mesopotamia, Iraq, mm-hmm. and you know they found this thing that came back with this Father Marin and tainted him in some way, and at the same time it affects. Uh, what's her name? Uh, Ellen Burstyn's character, Chris. Yeah. His mom's name. Yeah. Affects her in a different way as what, well. like, oh, and the cop and uh, Damien right. yeah. and like all the characters in it. All of them are. It doesn't really explain. Just kind of like, like uh, life. Like, like why? Why uh, would why would God allow these things to happen? It's like, well, you don't get an answer. You yeah. if if you want that answer, you got to figure it out on your own, pal. <laughs> And it doesn't. That movie doesn't answer any of those kind of questions at all. Right. You know, it displays this, like you said, unrelenting horror show mm-hmm. of these things that, at the time, no other movie had done. No other movie had taken like these type of like risks, like with the the last twenty minutes or so. Of that movie is just like one constant, yeah. like. Like shaking on edge, yeah, yeah, moment. for sure. 
and the um, if you don't see the director's cut, like it has even like that line of dialogue between uh, Max von Sydow and uh, uh, whoever played Damien, like them talking after they take a break from mm-hmm. like the exorcism, where he's like asking him like 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 why would God do this to a child? And you know, is that uh, talking about that uh, sometimes it's about revealing the ugliness in ourselves right. to make us uh, question the good in the world, and especially doing that to like this little girl and the only way that they could get it as a priest which I, I think this is fascinating just from somebody uh, uh, seven years of Catholic school that in order for them to defeat this demon in this possession the priest had to essentially uh, do a Christ like move and sacrifice himself right and his life for yeah, other, for for another, right? You know what I mean. It's like a, a lot of concepts, and it's like a lot of heavy stuff that they just don't. You know the the concepts of that, and mm-hmm. and 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 all the 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 life that this kid goes through, and it just that that is something that is lost in movies now. Like that's one of the things that separates it from horror movies nowadays. You know yeah. what I mean, like. Well, something else that I think it's uh, interesting that uh, The Exorcist uh, uh, points to as well is that you know when they're trying to figure out what the fuck is wrong with Reagan, mm-hmm. and they're submitting her to like, like all of these like 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 painful really like awful t- like tests and yeah. whatnot. It's also uh, giving an, uh, an allegory illusion. I forget which what the two I'm trying to go for, but uh, <laughs> showing how technology. And science has sort of taken a, uh, a stranglehold in the West on top of things like mysticism and right. old world, uh, yeah. like a connection with you know us with uh, both the divine good and divine evil mm-hmm. that is in the world, and that they can't understand it, and it's showing them that like no matter how wealthy your family is, yeah. no matter how um, advanced technology comes. It doesn't matter. It does not matter. Like this, like it's something that uh, can only be defeated uh, with mysticism. Mm-hmm. It appears, right? You know, and like, first of all, anytime you get Ellen Burstyn in a fucking <laughs> movie, like she fucking kills it, dude. Yeah, like fantastic. Fucking mm-hmm. everybody's great in that. Yeah, man. Like I think uh, what's her name, Linda Hamilton. I think she went on to do like softcore porn or something. Linda Blair. Linda Blair. She did a few. I think she did do a few softcore porn movies or something. Really, she did that movie Repossessed with Leslie Nielsen, which is like, have you ever seen that? <laughs> no. It is just a parody of The Exorcist, ah. and it's not good, but it's also like good. You know, it's just a, it's just them making fun of The Exorcist. She did that and. You know she does conventions and stuff now, mm-hmm. and she she's I I, I, she, I don't think she's very proud of being the Exorcist, but she didn't have a very big career after that. Yeah, you know, whatever. I think she would regret uh, the Exorcist too more than anything else. I think she should. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know she listens to this show every every episode, so Linda, don't feel bad. Don't feel it's fun. You've done so much with your career. The ex- I mean, being in the Exorcist is enough. Like, who cares? Serious. Who cares if you don't have a career after that? Right. That movie is amazing. Uh, shit, man, they wouldn't have had any conventions this year either, would they? No, they were everything. Basically, everything was canceled. Good lord. 
the fuck? Nobody takes a vacation this year. <laughs> nobody, nobody go and hang out with like strangers anymore. Yeah, dude. Don't go to a concert. These folks can go to fucking sports games without masks. <laughs> that shit. Um, uh, what else we got? We got Wes Craven's yep. new nightmare. nightmare. Is that is it? Is that the only one we haven't? Uh, let, me, let me see. No, no. We still got a Hereditary oh, as well. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But um, yeah, Wes Wes Craven's new nightmare. That's that's the one I just rewatched because I haven't seen it. In yeah. A hot minute. Um, it may be one of the most clever adaptations. It's in- not fair to the rest of the movies in its <laughs> franchise. It's just New Nightmare is such a so. Wes Craven created. You know, he did the first Nightmare on Elm Street. Mm. I think he might have. I can't remember. I think he might have came back and did part three, but I'm not. I'm not completely sure. I read this New Nightmare was the seventh installment. It is. Yeah, it's the, it was. It's the last one they made. If you don't count, you know, they they did Freddy versus Jason right after, and then there was the the remake. But it was, it was the last basic. You know, the last movie, and it's like the concept is basically like. They've killed Freddy Krueger off. Yeah. You know, the movie before that killed Freddy Krueger off, like, for good. But this is a movie where it's like, you got all these actors playing themselves. Yeah. They're all themselves. They're living their lives. And Robert England is in it as Robert England. Yeah. And he is dressed as Freddy at some point, but he doesn't look like the Freddy that is, you know, the villain in the movie. Yeah. Like, they, they did... And, uh... You know, the idea is that Wes Craven's writing a new script, and as he's writing it, the creature that has, like, t- some sort of spirit that has manifested as Freddy Krueger is trying to take over, you know? And, and, it, yeah. and it basically, like, forces, uh, you know, Nancy to have to do do it one more time, you know? And it's yeah. like, it is such... It First of all, it's like, it's like a precursor to Scream. Like yeah, you, like very much. I, so. I, you know, I, I, I always had kind of like a soft spot for New Nightmare. It didn't do very well, and it not because you know it's not it's so completely different right. from all the rest of those it's movies. Incredibly clever, but it's almost like I don't know, man. I, I know Wes Craven also made the first Nightmare on Elm Street, but it is like somebody stepping into. You know, somebody who's way above the franchise stepping into the franchise and said, no, no, no. no. Let's let's raise the bar on this a little bit. It just right. feels like he did. No one has ever done something like that in the middle of a, a, a franchise, especially something that's as silly as like right. Nightmare on Elm Street. Well, yeah, I had read that um, Wes Craven wanted to have this Freddy be different from the, the previous installments of that. He didn't want it as tongue in cheek. Yeah, he wanted like. If, I mean, there's still the one-liners are there, but like they, they're not like they they they're they're not as campy. Yeah, as he what they he were. wanted it to be like okay, the Freddy you've been seeing is the Freddy of the movies. Here's real Freddy. Yeah, like, that's what it was supposed to kind of. And it's just this weird. It's the way everything slowly. You know, she starts calling. Uh, the one guy, her dad, you know, and, yeah. you know, like all of these actors from the original films are in it at point, just playing themselves. You know, whenever her, whenever her husband gets killed, and they're all at the, they're at the funeral. Like if you look around, all the people at that funeral are all 
actors from the original Nightmare on Elm Street. Oh, wow. They don't even have lines, but it's like that's the you know there's the woman who got killed on the wall. Like it's all, and it's just so crazy how, you know, she there there are scenes where like Wes Craven's typing something, and as he's typing it, it's like happening to her and her kid. You know, yeah. That movie just it. It's so I don't know, man. Just what he was able to accomplish and be so different, and like, how do you, you know, the movie? It's eight movies in, seven movies in at that point. Yeah. It's like, how do you take something that's just been the same movie over and over and turn it on its head and just make it? It's the, the best ul- it can be. It's uh, and uh, a great example of a meta movie. Yeah, like full on, mm-hmm. where the point where, like, <laughs> it's even like at the end like it ends with them reading the screenplay and the screenplay ends with them like getting out and starting and reading the screenplay at the beginning from the (laughs) screenplay like really really cleverly written yeah um there's also it also has these things that uh it makes you wonder if like the whole thing was I mean, obviously it's a movie, but, like, was she in the movie the whole time? Because there's certain things where it's like, no rational person would do this. Okay, so her husband just dies, yeah. right? And she has to take her kid to the hospital, and then she's like, well, sweetie, gotta go. Yeah, well, just hope you do right. well with Freddie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> gotta, gotta go talk to some people. I'll just leave you here with strangers. Right. And then, like, later on, like, after she gets in, like out of the hospital... She, like, gets back home. I think it's, like, after, like, the highway. Like, she Mm -hmm. saves him. He's, like, her son's, like, walking across uh, uh, the interstate, like, a 12-lane highway. Yep. And, like, you know, she manages, like, to catch up with him and get him back home, and he's safe. And, like, Freddie can't get to him, and she's like, all right, sweetie, just wait here in the dark house. (laughs) I'm going to go outside with my uh, my dad, who's not really my dad. Right, yeah. But, like, that's the moment where, like, she's talking with him, and... She's like, why are you calling me Nancy yeah. John? He's like, why are you calling me John? Yep. And then she ends that conversation with just being like, okay, just accepting Dad. it. Yeah. yeah. Okay, Daddy. And she just looks back at the house, and then the house she's in is the house. Yeah. You know, all of a sudden it's Fred, the Freddy house from the original. And yeah, dude, that movie is that is something that that movie is something special. I think for for those like you know all of those franchises I really like like you know Friday the Thirteenth, Halloween. Nightmare on Elm Street. Nightmare on Elm Street has always been my favorite, mm-hmm. but it's just like I don't know, man. It's 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 just almost not even fair. I just feel like it's not even fair that that movie exists in that franchise. It's so good, and Freddy is scarier in that movie than yeah. he, he looks a little different. And it's not even like a big change. They change his makeup a little bit, give him yeah. like a trench coat, and just make him not so silly. Yeah. You know, whenever he, uh, whenever they're in the hospital. And he shows up behind the the blonde lady. Yeah, his the babysitter, and he's like, "Ever play skin the cat?" And then he kills her basically in the same way that you know he kills the girl in the first film. Right. You know, he's dragging her body all over the room. Like, it's it's scary. I'm like, that's scary. And yeah. and you know what? Usually, like, it it feels silly to call Freddy Krueger scary at this point. You know what I mean? Right. Those movies are all so ridiculous, but. That original and New Nightmare, and dude, like if you watch if you watch New Nightmare and Scream back to back, you can you're like, oh, 
this is kind of the same movie. You know, yeah. I'm like, yeah, there's a little more weirdness in New Nightmare, but you can completely tell. Like, that movie wasn't, it was only a couple of years before Scream. Yeah. I think, he, it, I think Scream was the next uh, in his franchise. I think so, I think yeah. it was 97, and that New Nightmare is 94. You can, you can definitely, like, watch New Nightmare and, you know, people, like, weren't quite ready for it. Right. And he's like, oh, I'll give it another chance, and just turned it into Scream, and it's like, <laughs> it's the same kind of meta conversations mm-hmm. happening like it's the same the dialogue in scream is the best uh, uh, dialogue uh, not only Wes Craven has uh, put out but m- uh, maybe in uh, any horror film yeah. it's ever been yeah, now yeah. scream I, I would not put it on my top list mm-hmm. excuse me of horror films but the dialogue from it incredible yeah like incredible. Well, he he had a he had a partner writing Scream. Like it was it was all his idea. But then there was another man who actually wrote a lot of the dialogue mm-hmm. for Scream. And uh, it turns out that the same guy um, is the guy who created and wrote every episode of Dawson's Creek. What? Have you ever seen Dawson's Creek? No, no. I just so, know that I don't want to wait. Dude, I for so, our lives to be I had never road. seen Dawson's Creek ever, and I had a friend who was like, "Hey, I grew up watching Dawson's Creek," and they're like, "It's not quite what you think it is," and they were like, "The guy who wrote Scream wrote it," and you can tell. And I watched it over quarantine, mm-hmm. watched the entire series, and dude, from the first episode, I was like, "This is in the Scream universe." They all talk exactly like they do in Scream, like when they're at the video store and Scream having mm-hmm. those covers. I'm like. This is clearly in the same universe as Dawson's Creek. Such a weird connection. You know? I, I like how real the dialogue is, though. Like yeah. in those movies, like like the characters will. It's like Tarantino films where they'll they'll you know characters talking over yeah. one another. Yeah, yeah. Or even like in a, of course, a, one of one of my favorite movies of all time is a, There Will Be Blood, which is. One of the uh, I love that movie so much. Dude, you got a plain view tattoo, don't you? I do, yeah. Fuck yeah, yeah. man. All right, quick, quick tangent. You have to do a a remake of a horror film, right? Okay. Okay. Now, which horror film do you choose, and why is Daniel Day Lewis in the cast, <laughs> and who does he play? Dude, I always thought Daniel Day Lewis would be a really good Quint if they if they if they had to remake Jaws. He would make it. I just thought he would. He's he's like commanding and kind of intimidating. Yeah, dude. After I saw There Will Be Blood, I was like, he could. He would be a a a very good Quinn. He's a fucking beast, man. He's amazing. Who would you uh, cast for uh, Richard Dreyfus? You know, I don't know, man. Like that seems like I I choose Charlie Kelly, Charlie Day from uh, Okay, Charlie Day. I like him because you know Richard Dreyfus is kind of like. Spastic, he's very yeah, all over the place. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I could see that. I bet Charlie Day could do some like serious acting. Yeah, totally, totally. Who'd you say for uh, 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 Roy Schneider? Roy Schneider. You know what? I would do uh, Thomas Jane. Ooh. And the reason I and the reason I picked him, I've already thought about this. The reason (laughs) the reason I would pick him is because uh, because of the movie The Mist. Have you seen that? I've not seen The Mist. So his character in that movie he's, is very he's the dad. Yeah, he's like the main guy, but it, it's it's a very Chief Brody sort of like he's just like a nice dude. He's trying to figure out what this problem is, and something about it. Like as I was watching this, I was like, I could I could kind of see Chief Brody in this performance. You know what I mean? And I feel like Thomas Jane would be. 
you should watch The Mist. Yeah. That is one of my that is maybe my favorite Stephen King adaptation of all time. It's it's fucked. Did Darabont do that one as well? Yeah, it's Frank Darabont. It's he's um what was the other one he did? Uh was it? I don't know if it was Stephen King or not. The Majestic? I think it was the Jim Carrey one. That's not a Stephen King, but yeah. it's a Darabont one. Though. Yeah, I think it is, yeah. But uh yeah, because the mist has a, it has some creatures in it as well, doesn't it? The mist is about like basically there's this giant storm right at the beginning, and people go to the supermarket the next day because it's like uh, all like everything's fucked up from the storm. Right. And there's a mist rolling in, and they're like, "Oh, that's weird." But when the mist hits the um, supermarket, people realize that there are monsters in it, and then it's like they're stuck in the supermarket. And then there's this there's this lady who says that it's all, you know because of the sins of man and people believe her so then there's like a cult forming in the and they're like we gotta sacrifice people to the monsters Jeez. so there's like that's happening and then there's actual monsters happening and it's crazy that movie's very good oh, I'll check that out I may watch that tonight actually. yeah dude um what was the other one? Oh, heredit- heredit- hereditary hereditary was the cool oh my god there was something you mentioned uh earlier about uh, I think it was when we were talking about COVID and about like how these big movie studios or whatnot like they don't like they don't care they've got all their algorithms or formulas set yeah. and I haven't seen uh, this guy did another movie Midsummer. Midsummer. I haven't watched it yet mm-hmm. uh, my friend Vive said it's fantastic um, but that movie Hereditary that is a ballsy movie that's his like, first movie fan fucking that dude came out of the gate with hereditary that movie's the that's the scariest movie i've seen and that's the scariest movie that's come out probably in my lifetime i feel like you know what i mean it's something else man like it's and it's but it's scary on a level that it's like i'm not watching it and i'm like oh that was scary it is like there is a sense of dread throughout that entire film it like builds up and it eats at you and there the some of the horrific visuals that you do get and the just the horrific things that are happening to these people and especially like and there are a couple like small jump scares in that movie but when it gets to the last act of that film and there's just like you're just like what is happening there's like the, the mom is like sawing her own head off at one point yeah there is some shit in that movie that Trump. whole movie gives me like I you know when that movie was being when there were trailers for that movie, one of the things that was on the trailer that made me be like, fuck this movie, before it even came out, was when they were like, this movie feels like you're watching The Exorcist. And I hate when 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 ad companies do that. Yeah, because same. it like because it may it just I'm like, well, why would you want me to now you have put the Exorcist in my head and that's one of the greatest movies ever made and like this is not gonna be nothing is the Exorcist. You know what I mean? Right. I, I hate when movies try to compare themselves to other movies well, especially like that was something so iconic and that like again like we uh, talked about earlier like that so many other screenwriters and directors and movie studios have pumped out trite garbage yeah. that is it just more or less like remixes the exorcist like yeah. there was even one not too long ago that had modish yahoo in it where he was uh the um the uh, person performing the exorcism. Okay. And 
it's like everything about it was like the same like you know like shouting words in a foreign language yeah. and bodies contorting and lights flickering on and off and yeah. you know like nothing original with it but to what you were saying I get what the reason why that was marketed that way whatever critic said that is because the feeling of watching yeah. Hereditary is comparable to I imagine whatever it's like the first time that The Exorcist came out was right. in theaters. I that that exactly like when I saw that movie, I was like, oh, I get it. I was like, I feel the same like weird, you know, anxiousness that I feel watching the Earth. You right. know, I get it for sure. Right. The uh, for those who haven't seen it, the easiest way to sum it up is uh, a family of four uh, finds. Uh, Happiness in troubling times <laughs> yeah. after a uh, a teenage joy ride goes awry. Yeah, sure. That that's a movie too. That like the plot of that movie is pretty. You're you're kind of not sure what's happening until you get to the end. I, I know some people who still weren't sure what's happening, but yeah. you know you, you kind of figure it out as it gets through the end there. And you know some of those themes might be present in a lot of movies, but it's done in a way in hereditary that it feels new it doesn't right. feel like you're watching pieces of another film yeah the closest one i guess i would say um and it's been years since i've watched it uh, would be rosemary's baby yeah. you know what i mean where yeah. you have this notion of like a cult and devoting a, a child mm-hmm. to a, uh, some sort of deity yeah or something you know uh was it paimon i think is the yeah. god yeah. in uh, hereditary yep. But like, dude, the um, when, when, whenever all I knew about the movie is that the cinematography looked really fucking cool mm-hmm. from the previews, and that it didn't seem like it was gonna be like from the trailer some uh, cliche movie. Yeah. Like at least the very least, it looked like it would be a lot of eye candy. Right. And at least some I would enjoy like witnessing for that. But man, the um, there's a couple of shots in there where like you know you is it a miniature and then you see like oh it is a miniature it is a miniature and yeah. it keeps zooming in it's like wait it's not the miniature yeah like, like it's like the movie the madness that the characters are going through is conveyed to the audience as well mm-hmm. you know like and whenever um whenever the joyride scene happens you know whenever he uh, sneaks his sister out of the house with him to go to a party and then she uh, was an anaphylactic shock or yeah. something she yeah. eats a brownie of nuts yeah. in it and then uh, man, it makes it so real not because like his sister gets decapitated like from hanging her head out the window but from him the next morning like he just gets he just home. goes home he just goes home he goes home he goes to sleep like yeah. that that scene where you're just seeing him laying in his bed and you hear the mom discover the body in the car yeah that's so horrifying yeah. to just to think about what she's seeing yeah and plus like like what that kid like where he's just lying there like you know like he, knowing that yeah. his sister's now dead yep because of him essentially yeah. and the um from the moment uh when uh, Gabriel Byrne uh, spontaneously com- yeah. combusts yeah. to like the the end where uh, I almost call her Sissy Spacek uh, Tony Loren yeah. is, uh, is that her name? Colette Tony Colette is it Tony Colette? I think so 
hear my Wikipedia. <laughs> Let's see here. Yeah, you're right, Tony Collette. Yeah. Um, like whenever she saws her own head off, and then like she levitates. Yeah. Like you see like her body just like into the little yeah. Yeah, into that that treehouse or whatever. Like the, the that movie uh, again. Not to keep saying the same thing, but like it doesn't give many answers. But then in that very last bit, you get enough to sort of show that like everything that she hated about her mom or like warned about her mom was almost like correct yeah. you know where she was talking about like her mom like uh, raised her daughter but you kind of feel like that it doesn't I don't think go in too much with uh, the mom uh, not the grandma but like uh, Charlie's mom's character uh-huh. um, but I wonder if she resented her daughter because of like how neurotic she was and how she looked and the grandmother took that as a way to they have to do like I, I think they had to have like a um, something with a ceremony where it was like a, a, a female spirit had to be tied it to, to be a boy yeah. yeah and that's why like I mean that's why she has all those issues with her mom because her mom wanted a son yeah to, to you know that's why transfer named, that into and, yeah that's why she wanted to name him or name her Charlie yeah yeah that movie's all sorts of like ooh there's a even like you know, they're towards the end of the movie when you're when you start to notice that there are just naked people standing in the house, and then they all those people are in the uh, the clubhouse at the very end, like yeah. praying to the the bodies or whatever. Um, I didn't notice it on my first watch, but those those people are all at the grandma's funeral. Yeah, one of beginning. one of them is the grandma as well. Yeah, and they're like you know, and they even like there is a scene at the funeral where. Um, this guy is kind of like creepy smiling at uh, Charlie mm-hmm. and then he's smiling when you see him naked later too. and I think that was their way to be like oh this is the same guy right. but like all those people are they're in the movie earlier you know yeah. as like nor- as normal people it's um, I hope that uh, they make a sequel for it yeah I'm not sure what they would do but uh, yeah. like it's one of those movies where, like, whenever it ended, I was like, no, oh, there's more. Like, because <laughs> like, like, it sucks you in, man. Yeah. Like, from the moment Charlie dies, and, like, then you see that shot of, like, this little girl's decapitated head the next day. Yeah. Like. Ants all over it. Yeah, man. Like, it is, like. Dude, you should, heavy watch. you should watch Midsummer. It, um. So, I think Hereditary is a is like a better made film mm-hmm. and I think it's more effective but I have rewatched Midsummer more times because Hereditary is like that's hard for me to re- like that, that that movie's really good but it's like I don't want to be watching Hereditary all the time no it doesn't put you in a good it mood it doesn't but dude but Midsummer, it so like I'm not going to give it away but it um you know the plot of the movie is a little more you know You've seen the plot before. It's a bunch of kids who go to this thing that they don't realize is like a cult thing. Right. That's kind of the plot. But the way Midsummer ends, I feel, is very cathartic. And it's like, it kind of makes you feel good in the end. Um, 
I have watched Midsummer yeah. multiple times, and he put out a director's cut of Midsummer that had like thirty five extra minutes in it, and um, and it's got it's there's some good stuff in there too. I don't want to say too much about it because that one you should you should check that out. Cool. Um, it, it is also horrifying, but it's it's on a little bit of a different level than you're not going to feel like you did watching Hereditary. To me, Midsummer is more like a fun, really well made horror movie. But I, I, I don't know. I feel good after watching Midsummer. Yeah. What you? Uh, we need to touch on uh, your thoughts on a, a Quiet Place. Oh, you, uh... I like that movie, man. Uh, you know, I like any movie that has like cool monsters in it. Mm-hmm. Creatures are really th- those just really fun for me to see. And the same things you were saying about how anytime somebody can can make a movie, an alien movie or a monster movie, and it not just be the same shit. Right. The fact, like, if you can make a movie that's so good without talking in it, that's hard to do. Yeah. And, and that's hard, to, and that's not hard to do just because there's no talking. But it's also hard to do because we live in a world where people have no attention span, and if it's not just spelled out for everybody, then right. they they might not want to sit there and watch it. You right. know. But that movie did really well, and you know, like you said, there is a sequel yeah. to that. So I, I I like that. I like the weird creatures that have like whenever their faces kind of open up at the end mm-hmm. um that movie is very effective i think uh the whenever you know whenever he's in the truck and he's like saving the kids and, yeah. and he gets killed like how metal is that scream yeah dude, dude. <laughs> like john krasinski need to form a metal band get in a band yeah scream. dude <laughs> that's 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 one thing that uh i'll say uh, a critique of Grant, I know, uh, what's her name? Heather, uh, uh, from New Nightmare. Yeah, Langenkamp. Yeah, yeah. So, like, not not the best actor in the world, but uh, <laughs> there's, there's like, one, there's one scene in it where she sees the body at the morgue, and, like, she vomits. Yeah. And, like, it's like, it's like yeah, like, that's it's a pretty believable reaction. But yeah. there, whenever she finds out her husband's dead, she's like, he's dead. <laughs> Yeah, like, like no, nah, you didn't have like that fucking like visceral like right. reaction, right? Like, and that scene, whenever like John Krasinski, like he knows, like, like I'm about to die, so my yeah. kids can live. Yep, it's like, <laughs> that's a fucking scream, man. Yeah. It's it's also just cool to see an actor that you've been seeing. You know, like everybody has seen The Office, and everybody, you know, The Office is really fun. It's a good prequel, it, A Quiet it, Place. It I is. Like a little it's more. just cool to see like. I always think it's cool to see another side of an actor that you're not really used to seeing. Right. And it's like we've been watching Jim, you know, be really silly for a long time. So it's, I think it's cool to see, like, that he can write and direct. Yeah. And write and direct a horror movie. You know, and, like, that's I think that's cool. And anytime there's something involved with, like, a uh, like a passion project. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It, it, just from, from us also, like, we have our own passion project. So yeah. you, you know, like, how much work goes into trying right, to make right. something tangible yeah. especially for him to be able to do that on such like a big scale and have such awesome results mm-hmm. come out of it wasn't it his wife uh, that's his wife yeah yep. like she fucking killed it too man like that the something about survival movies I like anyways yeah like um do you ever see The Grey yeah 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 The Wolves yeah mm-hmm. like the even though you know from like Kind of loosely from the get go of that movie, like everybody in the movie's gonna die. Yeah, 
<laughs> everybody, every character you see and you enjoy, they're all gonna they're die. Dead. Yeah. But like a quiet place that sets it up because like immediately like one of the uh, you know the five family members is mm-hmm. fucking gone right as a kid like yep. right from the get go so it kind of sets this tension of like well is everybody going to die or are they going to find out a way how to get out of this yeah. and the, the scene whenever she's having like a water birth uh-huh. and that thing isn't like in the room right. with her like oh my god dude yeah. like that's think it's trying to think about like it's scary trying to think about like how how can anybody have a child and not make any noise right and how can you how can and not even just the act of like childbirth but it's like okay but then you have a baby which are the noisiest things in the world and you Horrible. and they can't you know they don't they're babies yeah. so you can't just say hey you got to be quiet yeah. that doesn't work got to shut the fuck up so baby. like i don't it's like that is <laughs> you know that's a that's a whole that's stressful. Yeah. <laughs> you know? But in my own That's stressful. This is the last thing you need. I'm like, why did you guys do that? Why are you guys having a baby? Don't you think that maybe that baby might get you all killed? What are you doing? Couldn't you maybe, like, I don't know, pick some condoms up at the uh, the abandoned grocery store? You know, store? like, they couldn't even keep their... I don't know how old that kid is at the beginning. Mm-hmm. But he's not a baby. But it was impossible to get him to stay quiet. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, like, we're just going to try... to have that just rocket again. ship toy. Yeah. The, uh, that that movie's got some good even though like the characters you don't even know much about their backstory but yeah. the little bit you do know of that like the guilt that the daughter feels for yeah for like, giving him that toy for, yeah, yeah for uh, getting the batteries uh, yeah in the toy and whatnot and then she's the reason that mm-hmm. he dies but as a parallel to something like Hereditary wherein the character in that you can tell he's tortured and has Peter, I think his name of the character. Yeah. But he has, he has like no escape. Yeah. Like like whatever has got his family has got his family. What an apt name, hereditary. Right. right? And like he's born into this yep. hell. Yet with uh, uh, the little girl in a, a quiet place, like you can feel like her tension the whole time with her dad, and that the reason that she doesn't connect with her dad is because she feels that she's to blame for mm-hmm. her own uh, brother getting killed. Yeah. Well, she she is, but... Right, but then she also finds out, at the, you know, when she gets down there at the end that he's been, like, spending all that time trying to make her a, you know, a hearing aid. Yeah. You know, or, like, so... Which ends up saving the day. Yeah. You know, so... <laughs> yeah. Re- re- really a cool turn of events. Yeah. The, um... I also like movies that kind of, uh... It's not quite in real time, you know what I mean? But anytime it sort of has that like uh, like this is like day one day yeah. three day mm-hmm. 120 right, something or right. whatnot I like that I wonder if uh, in the sequel they're going to have some more backstory well I know I know there is because even in the in the trailer they show some stuff with John Krasinski I think they show some stuff from I guess like whenever it first started mm. I don't know how much of the movie's going to be may, that I think that may be Tim Halpert I think that was Jim's <laughs> <It's his> identical <laughs> He's just as quiet, yeah. <laughs> just, as, just as dedicated to survival as his brother. Yeah, dude. Oh shit. Well, shoot, Jake. You got a little more two hours here. Oh, cool, dude. Right Thanks on, for coming dude. back. Yeah, and, uh, dude, it's fun talking uh, fucking it's uh, fun, Hollywood movies with Heck me. Yeah, man. Um, 
people, uh, they can uh, check out uh, the Yes Have Some podcast. Yeah, uh, I mean, you can find it pretty much anywhere. Yes Have Some podcast on Spotify, Instagram, Facebook, whatever. All right, and uh, if people want to get the tattoo work for you, where can they find you? Uh, best place to get a hold of me is uh, Jacob Walsh Tattoos on Instagram, and I am at the Brass Quill Gallery. In Valdosta. Yep. Fuck yeah. Oh, Valdosta. Oh, high five, dude. Yeah! <laughs> right. Thanks again, bro. Yeah, dude. Later, y'all.